0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Occasionalist. It's Adam Chem D-O-double-G, in the house with the one and only Matthew Pagel, Citizen Pegs. How are we doing this evening?
1: Don't call yourself that ever again.
0: Okay, goddammit. I, <laughs> I used to do it in high school, and I thought maybe it would still stick, <laughs> but... All right, I guess growing up and everything like that, and I am turning thirty-seven tomorrow. So yeah, I gotta drop it. That's right. It's been it's been close to twenty years. So I gotta drop that. uh, Drop that for sure. No, I'm just I'm just
1: fucking with you, dude. If you want. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, I got to wait till I get the basketball jersey, the official monogrammed uh, That's basketball right. jersey. Yep. <laughs> I had been wanting a Lakers one, too, and that would be perfect. So. <laughs> All right. Well, on this episode of The Occasionalist, we are going to be discussing the latest masterpiece from Netflix, Cobra Kai. Very excited for this episode, but before we get into everything, I got a little bit of a lightning round question for you, and that is: which two people would you like to see square off in the All Valley Karate Championships? And this could be anybody, dead or alive, not even athletes, and tell me who would win.
1: Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with athletes in this case, and I, I figure since we're doing a Cobra Kai and it's uh, having having a karate rival is such a, a fucking niche thing, why not we? Why don't why not talk about cycling rivals? Also a okay. good niche. I want to see Lance Armstrong and Floyd Landis finally beat the fuck out of each other. Very these, nice. These two have been at each, throats since, at each, at each other's throats since the 90s. Um, <clears throat> obviously, they were both implicated in the doping scandal. Floyd Landis is our um, is our snitch, basically. He's the one who turned on Lance Armstrong and the entire uh, USPS uh, cycling team. And, uh, you know, he sued him multiple times. I think they settled just like recently, these guys settled uh, settled a lawsuit that's like is, is at least like ten to fifteen years old. They fucking hate each other's guts. Uh like after all of the stuff about Lance Armstrong came out, Lance Armstrong went from like one of the most beloved athletes for obvious reasons to one of the most hated athletes. And I wanna see I wanna see him and Floyd Landis just tear each other to pieces.
0: Dude I absolutely love it. And the way that this whole like kind of novelty boxing is starting to kind of take over with like the Paul brothers Mm -hmm. and this thing with Tyson and stuff that they did, that could easily happen, dude. Like, you know, that Fox is sitting in a room somewhere just dying to bring back celebrity boxing. And they're like, this would be the main event. This would be great. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love it. Two cyclists going at it. It sounds like a whole lot of fun. For me, I did the exact opposite. Now, for some reason, I just really want to see these two people go at it because I know who would win right off the bat. And I want to see Pete Buttigieg beat the ever-loving shit out of Donald Trump Jr. in a karate match, dude. Like, I'm telling you like there's something now like mayor Pete like was in the military and stuff like that, which like, you know, I could not, I telling you, I think that that's awesome. And it's really cool. You know, that we had like that we have somebody with military um, experience. Who's like a great political, political candidate on the left. And dude, I just think that he, in a matter of seconds, would dismantle Donald Trump Jr. in the most glorious and embarrassing of fashions. And I would love to see it. I'd pay to see it. And if Mayor Pete, like for some reason, decided to drop out of politics, I would hope to God that it's either being an author or a fighter to fight Donald Trump Jr. would be his one of two career path choices.
1: That would be pretty hysterical because it was I mean, I mean, Trump Jr. would definitely be all hopped up on cocaine. But just the, the the experience and the the ability to handle himself physically would definitely give Mayor Pete the advantage. And who would not love to see one of the most punchable faces in the entire planet get hit a bunch of times? Yeah,
0: I know, man. I would just love that. I want to just see the the black and the bruises and stuff. Him trying to make Twitter videos with his eyes swollen shut and stuff, like claiming that he won the fight somehow. That would just be amazing to me, man. I'm telling you, like. Just be as like probably going to be the one of the last like political kind of uh, answers I throw for a while. So I just had to had to get that out of there. You know, we did that really great um, election follow up and stuff a couple weeks ago. So still a little, I'm still a little high on that, is because our you know our country's there's been some shit going on, but that's for another day. <laughs> so okay. So anyway, so as we um, before once again, before we take a, a dive into Cobra Kai, we're going to bring back our five good minutes uh, section. And Matt, why don't you uh, lead us off with some five good minutes?
1: I will tell you right now, this won't even be five minutes, but I, I it, it's relevant right now because this happens every time Tom Brady makes it into a Super Bowl, which is a lot, as it turns out, ten times. There's uh, he is only he and the Patriots basically have been to this many Super Bowls, obviously. Um, but if this happens every time Tom Brady makes a Super Bowl, there's always this discussion about, you know, the greatest of all time. And even though I will always sort of defer, especially, especially in a sport like football, um, I'll defer to the guys who are quote unquote, actually playing football as being like the greatest of all time. But like you, at, at this point at age 43, you can't deny that Tom Brady is legitimately one of the three greatest football players of all time. Like, not just right. quarterbacks, football players of all time, even though I, I would still put him behind the likes of Jim Brown, Walter Payton, etc. Um, but he's he's right there. However, whenever this happens, we always have to talk about the legacies of Peyton Manning. We have to talk about the legacies of Aaron Rodgers. And I, and I mostly mean, like, the talking heads people on, uh, you know, the Skip Bayless's of the world, the, the Stephen A's of the world. Um, mostly talking about them. But whatever, the sports media has to drudge up you know who's the greatest of all time? What's their legacy? Blah blah blah, and Tom Brady is such an outlier that it's I, I call this this is a small mind argument to compare Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, or to compare Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, and say like, well, clearly Aaron Rodgers is not that good compared to Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a fucking alien. That landed on our planet was better at this than everyone else, and then when he retires, I guarantee he's going to go back to his fucking home world, and we're going to be like, "Oh, well, of course." So <laughs> it's such a small mind argument to like to make this some claim about like how that Aaron Rodgers isn't as good or Drew Brees isn't as good as Tom Brady. Like, I, I mean, it's so stupid and obvious, but at the same time, or if your your favorite franchise, you know, for us the Browns, you know, for someone else maybe it's the um let's like a historically bad franchise the jaguars um the panthers um more recently buffalo you know not not that they've been historically bad but more recently buffalo you mm-hmm. want to tell me that w- not one of those fan bases would kill to have aaron rodgers career happen there to have a super bowl win and a bunch of playoff appearances a bunch of records and a and likely a hall of fame uh a hall of fame jacket waiting for him in Canton i think it'd love it It's, yes, exactly. It's, it's so fucking stupid to like, it's so fucking stupid to compare someone, any athlete, any, I mean, you could go beyond athletes, go to any realm of entertainment, music, whatever. It's like comparing, uh, you know, comparing actresses to Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep has been nominated and lost more awards than like her other, not like, if, if next time Meryl Streep's up for a best actress award, all the actresses that are there with her, Will have been nominated for fewer awards than she's combined than she's ever been nominated for, and it's mm-hmm. it's a stupid thing to go like, well, clearly, so and so isn't as good as an actress as she is. I mean, eh, yes, but like, no. At the same time, I mean, this person's a great actress. Tom Tom Brady is a fucking alien. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. Peyton is a great quarterback. All these Drew Brees, tremendous quarterback. Just this sort of these comparisons, I think, are just such small mind arguments. And they don't really—they're—they're they're just so easy to take that side, to sit there and go, well, of course Tom Brady's the best of all time. Of course, like it's just—it's too easy, but it's such a—it's such a small mind argument. You don't have to actually assert your position with anything other than the facts that are easily available and and like we can see with our own eyes. It's just stupid. It's pointless. I, I'm—I this is kind of goes back to our LeBron versus MJ versus Kobe arguments. I don't care to make them anymore because it's fucking stupid and futile and it doesn't really advance. It doesn't really advance anyone's uh, argument and no one looks smart at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, dude, I got to tell you, like this conversation, it's a little like played out, especially on the football side. I mean, like, I guess like all around. Okay. I mean, we've, you know, we've been talking about it. I tell I think Bull and Fox must've talked about it. God only knows how many times mm. in the course of the last couple weeks and stuff. And, Man, I got to tell you, like, you're right. Tom Brady is a fucking alien, man. Like, it is just like, it's unfair to make those comparisons to people who are that good. It's like, I almost feel that you, if you want to have the Peyton Manning comparison conversation, compare him to like the uh, John Elway or like the Aaron Rodgers. It's like Tom Brady is almost uncomparable at this time. And like over the course of the last couple of weeks, I mean, there are people that get like, You know, they get like hours of conversation out of this whole thing to have the same thing over and over and over again. And like you have somebody maybe calls in with like, I guess, somewhat of a better articulated version of the rehashed arguments you've heard your entire life. And you get somebody who comes in there maybe just for fuck's sake and says, oh, somebody, you know, funny that clearly isn't the the greatest of all time. But it's just, I don't know, man. It's this is something that I think we we do kind of need to move beyond, um, at least in terms of football. Like, I think basketball wise, the LeBron MJ comparisons are going to be going on for quite some time, especially because mm-hmm. LeBron's still got it. They could easily, the Lakers I, could easily repeat. And stuff, yeah, you know, and so. I
1: think I think the LeBron MJ comparison is at least a little bit more fair, but like, yeah, yeah. Com- like compare um, comparing like Kawhi Leonard to Bill Russell, who has eleven championships like that's and played 60 years ago. It's it's a stupid it's just a stupid fucking argument that like doesn't go anywhere.
0: I know, man. At this point in time, the these conversations are becoming so diluted because they've just they've been had so many so many times over and over and over again. And I mean, like probably around the time that Tom Brady won his like the 5th Super Bowl or something, like this is when they, I think these things really started to kick into high gear, but It's just time that we kind of moved on. And I'm sure Mahomes, if Mahomes takes it home on Sunday, um, I'm sure he'll become the next like topic of conversation as far as like, you know, potential greatest of all time that we'll be having for another God knows how long and stuff. So it's just the cycle just kind of repeats itself and should stop.
1: Yeah. I mean, like at some point in time, maybe there will be someone to sort of challenge for that, for that sort of throne um, that Brady has been occupying essentially for the last Certainly for the last like five years, but I mean we could even make the argument it goes back farther than that. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, so maybe some at some point in time, but like it's it's such a stupid thing to go, well, Drew Brees didn't meet expectations. He's the all time leading passer in the history of the NFL. Right. I, I, I mean, know. What what else do you want from him? It's difficult to win fucking
0: Super Bowls. It's yep. difficult to get to the Super Bowl. It's difficult to win playoff games, and it's difficult to win NFL games. Like, I would have killed to have Drew Brees' co- career in Cleveland. Like, you know, I'll tell you, like, even if he didn't have the the Super Bowl win, I would have loved to have taken years of at least, like, playoff appearances. Um, it's way better than Phil- freaking years of you, losing.
1: Would you take Philip Rivers' career? You know something? Oh,
0: God. I want to say yes, because I basically just made the exact same statement because I, but I know that like I know that like Philip Rivers is kind of like a, almost like a modern day Dan Marino, just like really, really good, but never really got or won the big game and stuff. And I still like I guess retrospectively, let me say I'm going to say no, because um, I had a lot of fun during those losing Brown seasons and stuff like that. And since Philip Rivers didn't bring home the Super Bowl, I'm I'm going to I'm going to say no on this one just because of my attachment to those those losing seasons and like a lot of fun that I had. But realistically, I know the the answer probably should be yes. The <laughs> <Why>? yes. I'm <laughs> just go ahead. I'm just going
1: to go ahead and edit out your previous answer and just have you saying <laughs> so, yes. Like, oh yeah, good idea. Ch- yeah. Absolutely right, Chuck. <laughs> perfect. <answer. laughs> yeah, I I know you make a good point there. It's like it's it's
0: one of those. It's weird though. Like I mean, because they're when that side of the coin comes in about like how somebody's Never like won the Super Bowl. It just it brings me back to this stupid conversation about like that they were having about Baker like kind of early on in the season about like, okay, well, what if he's good, and he just never like you know he never gets the Super Bowl, and it's like how long will the Browns settle for you know not winning a Super Bowl, and like I guess in that in that time period I was like yeah I really didn't care because I was on you know I'm like hey Baker's going to win games and yeah just edit out what I said that's good just edit it out it'll be fine. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, I mean, so. you know, the Browns haven't been going to Super Bowls for about 60 years now. So I don't know why that would uh, our our comfort level that would change at all. But anyway.
0: Right. I know. Man. I'm telling you, though, next year, I'm like next year and the year after, dude, I got good feelings about I got good feelings about what they can do. Not saying a Super Bowl, but I got some good yeah. feelings, which we'll save for the sports uh, episode whenever we do that. Probably. <laughs> I, I would assume we
1: should probably do one after the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I could definitely go for that. There's yeah. been a lot of shit going on in baseball and this quarterback got this quarterback shuffle or whatever. Yeah, exactly. The going there's going to be yeah.
1: some stuff to cover in the next few weeks, so. Yeah, it's too
0: it, there's so much interesting stuff like non not on the field stuff happening right now. It's insane, especially in ba- baseball It's going fucking nuts. Yeah. So, okay. So, I'm going to do um I'm going to take over for the five good minutes and I've been I mean I'm excited to tell you about this dude. So, uh, we did the the fitness episode to start off the year and everything like that. You know, once again, it's a very common uh, New Year's resolution for people to want to get in safe or get in shape, uh, feel some health and everything like that. So I did the only thing that one would possibly do after a big conversation about working out, and that is take take the next day off. I didn't do any working out the next day. but however, in this time, I, um, you know, I, I actually took a walk on the beach kind of thought about like, you know, some ways that I could change my workout and, you know, kind of maximize, you know, like what I've been doing and stuff like that. We had a a very long and great conversation about it. I'm like, I could not leave that conversation still doing the exact same thing. Like I had to kind of change it up a little bit and stuff, which I've been doing a lot since I don't have the gym. So, oh, did I say we don't have a gym? Oh, because right now, actually, I am broadcasting from Adam and Jess's Jim Aluski. We turned our <laughs> second bedroom into a home fitness center. Yes. It's a little bit in on the developing side right now. We um, only have a bench. We got dip bars. We got um, two 30-pound kettlebells, two 20s, and, like, a 10 and stuff like that. It's, like I said, very, very on the developing side. But um, Jess ordered a Peloton. She was saving up her money to get a Peloton. Nice. Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. She's very excited about it. I've seen it. It looks awesome. I might, I've never done spinning or anything like that before. So I might actually, might actually do that. And, um, so I got to tell you another thing that, um, so like I was saying before about how CrossFit and I didn't really need somebody like yelling in my face and all that shit while I work out. Well, it turns out I really flipped on that one too. Now, like this obvious, I don't think this is gonna last forever, but um, Jess got me an Apple Watch for Christmas and with Apple Watch came six months of Apple Fitness, Mm -hmm. which they have an overabundance of basically a whole bunch of really in shape, beautiful people doing workouts that they are making look easy as hell and just cheering you on and smiling and yay fitness. And oh my God, I love this Dua Lipa song. And I gotta tell you, uh, 2002 to 2020, Adam Chmielewski would have absolutely hated this shit. 2021, Adam Chmielewski is loving every fucking minute of this because it's just something different and it's just mm-hmm. something to try. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I um, I highly doubt I will ever go to an actual class. But, hey, if it's just me here in the apartment, like in the Chmielewski, like, you know, getting some workout in – Why the hell not try something different? So I've been trying those and the last couple weeks have been really, really great as far as like developing new workout routines and stuff like that, of like doing a lot more like cardio and lifting, just a complete kind of renovation of Adam Chmielewski's workout routine, which Adam Chmielewski is very, very happy about. And the last thing that I'm going to um, get into today with this five good minutes segment is... Our occasionalist workout mix is pretty fucking dope. Number one, fucking dope. Great, great workout mix. i listened to it. It uh, is good. I, it is good. It's good. It's good. Um, like to get into just a quick specific, the thing that I love about it the most is that um, the so like we had both selected songs. So your songs wrap up at about. Thirty-five minutes in, I think. Sorry, no, it's about forty minutes in, maybe forty-five, something like that. The Seems first initial right. batch. Yeah. So like, um, those songs come to an end just as like the songs that like I pick start come on and everything which like when you get done at least like for me when you get down like you know you're working out and stuff and you get to that um like one of the last couple songs on your mix and then it crosses over into mine it's just like it's just i don't know just like it's like wow this nice little shot of energy Mm -hmm. like kind of at the end of the workout and stuff which brings me to where i was going with this whole thing is that i now love the workout mix the the playlist i never used to do this i used to just basically listen to albums all the time and I, i maybe had one or two like kind of running mixes that I would listen to now I'm all about them. I'm trying to make like one, one, every single week and stuff. I made, I made two of them so far. Um, one is really, really metal. The other one is just like bands from Ohio. It's called Ohio's for lifters. So I'm trying to include a funny workout <laughs> pun in, in every, um, in every That's one. Of good. These I like that. That's good. It's, I'm very proud of that one myself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, dude. And like, there's just, so the the workout mix for people out there, um, you know, if you're just getting into working out or if you've been listening to albums forever, like me, make a crossover to a playlist like the whole just changing up the songs. And, you know, you could basically throw in so- every single fo- song in the world that riles you up. Why the fuck not? You know, I don't There's just something about this to me. I'm like why the fuck not do this? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm not listening to like a rap album while I'm working out and then some, having some serious fucking discussion about it afterwards. Like why the hell not like get the most out of your experience and, and, you know, play songs that you're familiar with and that you can rock out to, instead of like listening to an album 30 times and then oh my god, then you like you know, I'm, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm still gonna be listening to new stuff while I work out, but the whole idea of the playlist is just really like you know, transformed everything. It kind of keeps you hooked in too, like knowing that you have like a a real good fucking uh, zinger like towards the end of your playlist and stuff. It's like all right, yeah, and then you hear it, it just kind of, it's just basically like um. Gives you that nice shot of energy during a time of your workout when you're like, you know, normally like feeling lethargic and you feeling like you want to wrap up. So um, so basically, long story short of this five good minutes section, completely rechanged uh, the workout. We got the Jim Alewski now and everything is feeling very, very fit and healthy up in this house.
1: So give me give me a quick rundown of everything that you have.
0: Okay, so right now um, I have a set of parallel dip bars. They're, um, I bought them on Amazon and it's basically like two dip bars that kind of cling together. There's an attachment piece in the middle that holds them together yeah. and, and they're adjustable by like two or three different heights. So um, you could do dips on them and then you could even kind of like extend your legs up on a bench and like do like do um, a modified version of a pull up. Yeah, yeah. some back stuff, which, was, which I was doing today. It felt great. Um, I got another um, I got an adjustable bench which um, can adjust to incline and decline, oh, which nice, was awesome. Nice. I, I wanted to get something like that, too. Um, I have uh, two 30-pound kettlebells, two 20-pound kettlebells, and a 10-pound kettlebell. Um, I have a, two sets of resistance bands that are pretty decent. And I have a a heavier rope. So what I do is I take the kettlebells and I string them through the rope. So to get more weight and stuff and do different like lifting exercises that way, if I want to get basically to throw as much weight as I possibly own onto this
1: thing. Do you have a broom?
0: Like a sweeping broom?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bet. Take the broomstick. Take your resistance bands. Hook the resistance bands through the kettlebells and bench with it
0: great idea
1: and that's a f- and I'll, I'll tell you right now it's going to be one of the hardest things you've ever done
0: holy shit that's a really good fucking idea dude
1: yeah i'm um
0: yeah i'm gonna write that motherfucker down really quick because that's a great idea i didn't even think about that okay awesome Yeah, I like I've I've been doing all kinds of like just basically like doing all kinds of research trying to do exercises to maximize what I got over here and stuff. And that's a that's a solid fucking idea.
1: It's it's the so basically I'm I'm giving you like a uh, like a poor man's, you know, a poor man's home earthquake bench. Okay. And the idea behind the earthquake bench, as it sounds, it's unstable. Um, It moves a lot. So your chest muscles, your stabilizer muscles have to work extra hard to keep the bar on a straight path. Otherwise it'll like fly all over the place. You'll hit yourself in the face. You'll drop the weights or whatever. Um, and it's a good way when you don't have a lot of weight to sort of fake, to sort of fake and trick your muscles into working harder.
0: I gotcha. Oh, that's good stuff, man. Yeah. I'm going to be, I'm definitely going to start doing that. I started doing the whole, on um, two sets of 75 thing killer fucking. I mean, it, it's something that like, you I guess like when you were talking about it and describing it, I'm like, okay, I, I, I think I got a good idea of what this might feel like. Nope, no, you don't. not at all. <laughs> nope, not not a fucking chance. Not a chance at all. And like, so I got to tell you, like, basically ever since ever since we had that um, discussion, there's been like a, a a workout renaissance going on over here and stuff. And even the shit with the Apple videos, like, it's like you know. In a way, it's probably corny, especially if you're walking in from the street looking at me, like you know, doing like wood chops and stuff like that, like through the window. But I gotta tell you, like when it comes to people who are like super passionate about stuff, like you almost and like when they like every time they speak and they're just like happy and full of energy, you almost can't help but like not pay attention or not get sucked into whatever they're saying. Mm-hmm. And these like freaking like coaches or whatever, these people that they have on these videos, they just they it's just awesome man it's like a really like kind of positive thing and stuff it's like condensing the planet fitness like planet fitness's advertising slogan into apple fitness videos and it's just it's cool man like i um i really like it and i've been getting some some pretty decent like uh cardio and other kind of like core workouts and stuff out of it i'm very impressed
1: hey as long as you like it that's that's I'll, i'll always say this like as much as i'm not into the crossfit thing and you'll never catch me um, you know, you'll never catch me like doing, doing cardio, like, doing the stepper cardio for like an hour. Um, although that's not entirely true. I definitely did like an hour of cardio yesterday, but, um, yeah, it's just not my forte. You'll never catch me like road running. I never catch- I'm never going to become a runner. Um, gotcha. but like, as long as you enjoy it, that's the best workout.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. And like I, and I'm going to tell you this right away. If you ever hear me saying like hey man I just did crossfit or I'm going to a crossfit thing just just if there's a way you could punch me through the computer just do it like I'm, I'm I, not I'll going to i figure it out. There. don't worry yeah please do because this is like this isn't going to be my gateway drug into crossfit this is just something to uh, to do while I can't go to the gym and while I'm trying to get the most out of this gymbelduski here mm-hmm.
1: so I like it <laughs> I like it that was a, awesome. a well spent 5 good minutes right there
0: Yeah, I'm very, very happy with that one. I was excited to tell you about it. I was like, just, I was almost like, man, should I like send a picture? And I'm like, nah, like fuck, you're gonna be impressed with a bench and a set of dip bars, you know? So I'm like, all right, so I'll just, uh, (laughs) I'll just bring it up during the episode. So, okay. And speaking of the episode, we definitely have to do one of those because God only knows I was going to stop myself from going into another three-hour tangent about working out, which we could easily do with Mm -hmm. no outline. I'm pretty confident Mm -hmm. with that. All right, so we're going to start off. We're going to get into uh, Cobra Kai, but before we even do that, I, I had to do this part. I had to kind of get your thoughts on the original Karate Kid movies, and this is just a little bit of a quick one. So, I guess just give me a couple things. Like, did you ever were you a fan of these movies growing up? Do you remember like the first time you saw them? Like, just give me some general stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because as as much as I like the show Cobra Kai, I was never really a Karate Kid fan. Like, I've, I've seen uh, in terms of like the original trilogy, I've seen them all. But like, they weren't other than like some of the cultural touchstone kind of stuff, like the sweep the leg and the wax on wax off, the bonsai tree stuff. It it none of it really like stuck with me. Otherwise, this wasn't this wasn't one of those kind of movies from my childhood. This wasn't like Back to the Future. Um, this wasn't like um, what else from the from the eighties that really stuck with Goonies, me. Goonies, Ghostbusters. Goonies, Ghostbusters. Exactly, it wasn't one of those for me. Um, so it's it's interesting it's kind of interesting that like it resonates now. And I do remember some stuff that they've tried to weave in from the original movies that that's popped up in the episodes thus far.
0: Yeah, dude, I gotta tell you, man, like I'm, I'm in the same boat as you here and I'm going to kind of take it even a little bit farther. Um, I can't even remember if I've seen the original movie. I, I don't think I've seen two and three and I'm struggling to remember if I've seen the original in its entirety, like, hey, you sit down, pop it in the VCR, watch it for an hour or two hours, and then you're done. I don't think I've ever hmm. – at least it, I can't recall. But I, I know for a fact I've seen the movie in segments in throughout many Sunday afternoons on TBS throughout my childhood. Like this was definitely one of those like Channel 43, TNT, TBS Sunday afternoon type movies I remember for a while. So I, I've seen it that way. But I'm I, I telling you, I'm struggling to um, – I'm struggling to even remember like when I would even be in the position to have watched the original Karate Kid movie, and there's like a, a family party that's sticking out in my mind, but even that's like even that's like pretty thin as far as like me actually remembering uh, goes. So, I got to tell you, like, um, my interest in the. This- show like even any knowledge I have of the old Karate Kid movies just seem to come from memes. Like I, I seem to to know a lot about Cobra Kai and the original Karate Kid just via memes. Like ever since I saw the first, um, this was probably like 10 years or so ago now where it's like, Oh, rules say no hits to the face wins on a hit to the face, like those memes and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like ever since, ever since I've seen that in galleries in the Chive. I just know a fuck ton about the karate kid. So I, there was very minimal, um, disconnect. Like this wasn't like, this show's not one of those things where it's like, Oh man, you have to know every single thing about the original trilogy. Like I, I kind of just walked right into it and I'm like, Oh, that guy. Yeah. That guy's from the original. And like, I, you know, I kind of knew a little bit. So, um, I guess like, yeah, I just, uh, not really like as big a fan of the karate kid movies as, um, most people are. And this is definitely not Goonies. It's not ghostbusters. It's not like I didn't really have that much attachment to it. So, mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you the answer to the next little like question here. Yeah, go for like, it. I, I, I've never seen any of the reboots. I've never, I nope. don't know if you've seen any of the reboots. Like, Me either. And just- I,
1: I can almost guarantee you, I'm never going to bother to watch them. Yet I'm not going to
0: watch Hillary Swank. I'm not going to watch Jaden Smith. I'm not going to watch any of that stuff. Um, I'm going to say this right now and we're going to get into this as the rest. This is the only way to continue the Karate Kid saga, which will which I will yes. get into um, as we get into this episode and stuff. So OK, so now now that we got that out of the way, let's get into Cobra Kai. This is why we're all here today. So on a scale of one to 10, how badass for a dojo is the name Cobra Kai?
1: In in English, it sounds really rad. It's a ten out of ten because mm-hmm. if you it's I love it. It just it's got it's got that nice uh, consonants the the two K sounds Cobra Kai it rolls yep. off the tongue real easily. Um, you probably don't know what Kai means necessarily, but you know what Cobra means. Um, and obviously the, the logo really helps with everything too. But if you translate it to Japanese, it's a lot less intimidating. Um, it means Cobra Assembly. They're just like oh, a the okay. hangout spot for cobras. I gotcha.
0: okay. I didn't like I did not look, I found the Chinese translation of it. I didn't go into the Japanese one, but that is which is the Chinese translation is like nothing to get excited about either, but uh, you're right, that doesn't sound any kind of intimidation when you think about it in Japanese. I guess that extra like k sound really uh, mm-hmm. really does give it that extra umph and stuff, you know? The
1: cobra and, meeting. I guess Cobra meeting. <laughs> that doesn't like really strike fear in <laughs> no. your opponents.
0: No, actually, like, it's kind of funny and adorable, actually. like I'm just kind of imagining a bunch of Cobras sitting around maybe playing cards or something if they were able to hold them. Their own, Doing their their own
1: suits, their own little suits. <laughs> yeah. right? Little, like, little Cobra thin, meeting.
0: Little uh, sheets, you know, perfectly uh, made for Cobras and mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, God. The image is just too adorable, but I'm not going anywhere near it. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, like, you're right on the 10 out of 10. I Man, I'm telling you, I think that this is absolutely badass. Like, there's just... Something about, like, the cobra. I don't associate cobras with martial, art, martial arts. Like, I, I'm sure that that they have their place in um, martial arts culture and Japanese culture. But for me personally, that's not, like, an animal that I associate with martial arts. So the fact that there is that little bit of a juxtaposition there, like, oh, God, I didn't really, like, expect that coming. And just taking something I don't associate with it and putting it into martial arts just seems to work really well. The logo's badass. The colors, like I hate, really hate black and yellow just because of the Steelers, but on the Cobras, it looks really freaking badass. The, there's the whole, like, um, you know, that whole, like, visual kind of archetype of the, the dark suits being the bad guys. And then there's, you know, like the Miyagi Do and, like, the all white geese and everything like that. So it's just as far as you just can't think, there's just certain phrases and certain, like, little bits of language that are just so fucking good. This is one of them, and I love that they called it that in the original movies. I love that the show is called Cobra Kai, and um, I'm glad that we're doing this episode, but let's really get into it
1: now. So, okay. real, real quickly, there is a whole branch, a sub-branch of Kung Fu called Snake Kung Fu, or Snake Boxing. Really? Yeah. And I might
0: have seen, do, you, do they do it where it's like a guy, and he's almost kind of like, basically fighting a snake with his hands is that no 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 no. it's it's a
1: style it's a style
0: of karate oh really yeah okay i like no joke dude like i think i've I've probably seen a couple stupid videos of people playing around trying to look funny shadow boxing a cobra or something but i didn't even know that that was a um a branch of uh karate either do you know like what um any differences between that and like actual regular karate would be
1: um I'm just like quickly. I'm just like gonna quickly Google this to see if I can. It's um, it's a style of Shaolin shadow boxing. So it's probably very, it's probably very upper body oriented. I would guess.
0: I gotcha. Okay, gotcha. That is very very interesting. I did not know that. So, all right, man, we're gonna plug along here, and I want to get to the kids. Which um, I started off with the kids. It's a very very great part of the show, and like I kind of like. what they've done here with the kids and stuff. So I want to ask you first, does this high school have regular sports? Like I cannot remember on this episode yeah. or in the show. If yes, they ever do. had other sports. They do. They have do. Them?
1: There's, there is okay. a scene obviously in gym class where they're playing soccer. Um, so like, there's at least some insinuation that like possibly West Valley high school has a soccer team. Um, Kyler, the early season and, and uh, one of the early season uh, bullies, he's a wrestler. And Kyler's fat buddy, the guy with like the shaggy blonde hair, I believe he's wearing a football Letterman's jacket at one point in time.
0: Okay, you're right. He is wearing a Letterman's jacket. I forgot they had that little bit about him being a wrestler. It's like, dude, it's so weird that um, karate is so big in this town. (laughs) Well,
1: uh, yeah, it's it's a little too (laughs) weird,
0: but... Yeah, it's kind of like a martial arts version of like Footloose almost. Like, mm-hmm. But uh, I'm telling you, it's one of these things that um, some, you know, like how would they do these shows? They're kind of anchored in like certain kind of like situations or certain kind of events that are familiar to the audience. So like a pep rally for the football game might make their way into a, a kids or, or like a, a teen oriented mm-hmm. show, um, the dance, like, like stuff like that. And I'm t- and like, for the life of me, like, I, and I so now I'm pretty confident that they haven't done like the Friday night football game scene or something right. like that. It's just been like little, little like um, references or little kind of visual things to kind of insinuate that this school is somewhat normal and not just focused on karate the whole time.
1: Oh, but you could, you know, what you could you could extend that? Like, there's there are like schools, places like around Cleveland where like hockey's real big at Shaker Heights. Even though right. it's not big, really anywhere else in Northeast Ohio. you
0: yeah, no, that's very, very true, dude. And you, then you could take it up even further with Twinsburg, where the Glee Club runs the school. It's yep. like what? Like really? Like yeah. that actually exists? It's not just a show, or but um yeah, dude. So I, you're right. In certain areas, um, in certain schools, certain sports are just. Infinitely more mm-hmm. like popular and stuff like that. Like you remember that school Central Howard that was an actor yep. that um, the university bought the building and stuff like yep. that. Dude, Central Howard was so bad in football. It was like it was just abysmal. But their basketball team would like do awesome every yep. single year. Like in the state tournament, yep, they would stuff. dominate. It's, like, yeah, it's crazy shit, dude. So I, I'm like, thank you for clearing that up for me. I um, I watched like the first two seasons uh, on YouTube, like kind of like right in a row, and then like I waited for then obviously saw season three on Netflix and stuff like that. So I was a little foggy about some of the season one and two stuff. So, okay. Which, um, which of the students between Miyagi-Do and Cobra Kai, like, do you think has the most um, interesting story?
1: I, I mean, <clears throat> obviously, you know, the, I'm going to throw, I'm going to disregard Miguel and, and Robbie, um, yeah. and, and Sam and Tori for that matter, just because they're like too intertwined with the main storylines. Um, that I mean, like th- this, this could be the the Robbie and Miguel story, basically um, at some level. So I'm just gonna disregard them. And I think that I what I really enjoy, especially in the first couple seasons, well, really mostly the first season, but the transformation that Eli Moskowitz undergoes. How he, he's Eli Moskowitz, the kid with the cleft palate surgery scar. Um oh, yeah. He becomes Hawk. Then he becomes an asshole. And now, as we've gotten into the late, you know, the last season there's clearly a, 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 you know, he's gone through a transformation, a downgrade, you know, now he's up back up on a redemption arc. And now he's figured out how to be both Eli Moskowitz and Hawk. So I'm going to call him Eli Hawkskowitz.
0: Eli Hoskowitz. Yep. <laughs> no, that's good, because I had the same character. Okay. Like, um, And for almost like similar reasons and stuff. And the, the way that the way that I phrased it, is basically piggybacking off of what you said is, this guy um, in the first season, he is living the bully kid's fantasy life. OK, this is like what every kid who's bully dreams about, like learning martial arts and just being a straight up fucking bruiser and stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But then like as the as seasons two and three progress, he kind of like it's almost like he realizes that like this fantasy life had a cost and everything. And there's something about like. This particular I, I, I dude, I know this is this is like nothing new. We've seen this kind of mm-hmm. storytelling and character arcing in TV forever. But there is just something like really cool and really unique about the way that they're doing Hawk um and his storyline in Cobra Kai. And I guess like the whole thing about in season two when like he loses the girl. Because she doesn't want to be with a bully, but then he completely embraces the role and then he's like an antagonistic figure. And then even through most of season three, he's like pretty much like a bad, you know, just jackass, like bully guy and stuff. But then he sees like he I guess he has like his error of his ways during that big like fight scene at the end of season three. Mm -hmm. And I just like it's I guess like he was the one character that I thought was going to be completely turned like I, I just thought like, all right, we're going to get some. We were just basically doing everything we can to make Hawk the the bad guy, like almost like the, the center. Yeah. Real super badass fighter of Cobra Kai and everything. But I was thrown for a lint. I was thrown for a hook when they did this whole like him kind of realizing that this is not right. And I just thought that that was a really great way to kind of cap off the character. And it's definitely one of the more compelling storylines that is not necessarily the Miguel, Robbie, Johnny, Kreese, uh, Daniel LaRusso yeah. type story.
1: You, you know what? It, it reminds me a lot of, we had the same conversation a few years ago about how Steve from Stranger Things mm-hmm. had this, he, he's like one of the few characters yeah. that actually has a complete, legitimately complete arc from a villain type, not quite a villain, but just an asshole type to like a legitimate hero and like fan favorite.
0: Right. Exactly. Like he's hanging out with the kids. And Mm -hmm. by the time we get to season three, he's got secret handshakes with Dustin and stuff. And Robin's joking about how he hangs out with the kids and stuff. And it's, it it just makes the, can you, the characters like a little bit more like genuine and stuff, I guess, to see them kind of evolve and like, Hey man, he was a dick, but now he's not so much a dick. It's just, it's a really cool way to layer a character and, build support for him in the audience. It's right. for sure. Right. Definitely. So like, um, I think we might have the same answer on this one too, but I'm interested to know who, do, who do you think is the main like antagonist amongst the children?
1: It, it's Hawk and Tori, um, you know, for, for essentially Hawk for about like 80% of it. Um, and then once Tori gets introduced, she's clearly the way they the way they've written her, I just can't see her having the same turnaround as Hawk. Like it's okay. it. she's gonna be uh, she's gonna be an antagonist to the very end, basically,
0: yeah. And dude, they cast that perfectly. Yep. like I don't know. It makes me wonder, like, um, how many other people they had to go through before they found her because she just has like that almost like that resting kind of bitch face. Yes. I guess that that is a t- like that very evil, maniacal looking mm-hmm. face. but she's also like, on the attractive side and everything. And she is over
1: 18. So I could say that. Oh, she's very, and, uh, attractive. It's, she's like yeah. 23 or 24. All these people, um, a couple yeah. of exceptions. All these people are like in their early twenties. So it's, it's right. If you want to comment on their looks, it's totally fine.
0: Yeah, it's just—it's sometimes it feels a little weird, like when the show is set in high school. I almost have to like clarify that, just so people like right. don't, just some idiot out there is
1: like, "Hey, man, he's talking about a sixteen-year-old fucking creep." By the way, they're really hot. One <laughs> <What are> of the <laughs> one of the only <laughs> actual teenagers when it began was Miguel, was uh, Jolo Meriduena. It's like one of the only actual teenagers.
0: Really? Okay, yeah. you know. I'm like, not going to lie. He does have a really, really young ass looking face, man. Like even like in the beginning and stuff, yeah. he does almost look like a 12 year old in uh mm-hmm. in high school. But then again, like once you cross the 30, once you cross into your thirties, that is just like this line where like everybody starts to look really young. Once you've just hit 30, man. Yeah. Uh, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you. like, I had to look up that, you know, like a lot of these people were over, over the age of 18 and stuff, just because to me, Like they all look like 16 year olds. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Every single person does. (laughs) Yeah. And, and dude, you're right. There's not going to be as much of a turnaround with her. Like she's like completely under the arm of crease right now. And like her, they even do a really good job of like giving her, not only like her mom having problems, but her landlord's a dick. And she's the one um, teenager who like, who really has to like, you know, like, kind of like struggle a little bit more than all of the other ones do in their own way. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like her, her struggle is definitely like on the more complicated side and somebody like that is easily going to be tempted to fall into something like Cobra Kai and everything. And the whole like survivalist mentality, because that's all they're doing is just basically surviving and stuff. If it's a 17 year old trying to pay rent in receipt California, which ain't what I'm telling you it's recita, but it's not like we're renting. And no, it's it's not like we're renting in in Cleveland, you know? Right.
1: (laughs) Right, it's right. and and Tori really is, um, maybe intentionally. I, I would say intentionally because there's a lot of the show that's almost overly intentional, uh, which I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll get to. But she's intentionally very much she's female Daniel Russo from the first movie. No shit. In, in a lot of ways, um, obviously his mother wasn't sick, but the, mm-hmm. the 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 you know the young girl who's got a lot more on, on her plate than would be fair to ask of like a seventeen year old. That's, I gotcha. that's the Daniel Rufus story from the first movie.
0: Okay, interesting. Yeah, the, once again, like that's just my disconnect with, with the original movies and stuff coming in there and everything. But, like, I totally see where you're coming from with Hawk and Tori. I, I took a little bit of a different route on, mm-hmm. on my response to this one, and I actually went with Robbie as the main antagonist of the kids. Wouldn't disagree and, with that. And the, the, my methodology behind it, and this is something that... um. I, I wanted to ask you a question about this, and we're going to be talking about this naturally. So I, I, I just didn't really know how to phrase a question, and I also felt it would come up, as it will a couple of times throughout the course of this episode, is this show does such a great job of kind of, like, telling you or kind of implying, like, who you should root for. And I guess, like, when they do these switches and they do these kind of, like, hey, Johnny's looks good in another episode, he looks like a dick. Are we supposed to root for Daniel now? But in all reality, like Johnny is this is the protagonist of the story. It's about Johnny Lawrence. Mm-hmm. The show is pitched as what happened if Johnny Lawrence, what, what is he doing now kind right. of thing. Like, right. it's he is the main protagonist of the show. And like, I kind of, I guess by association, put everybody who is in. Johnny's little world like the Miguel's and everything these are like the secondary protagonists and stuff Mm -hmm. now I know that I know that Robbie is Johnny's son but Robbie is also the main adversary for Miguel in the karate tournament in Mm -hmm. the beginning he's you know he's basically a Miguel's main adversary the entire time with even with Samantha and everything like that and then when Robbie makes the turn to Cobra Kai at the end of season three which I'm not gonna lie like i I kind of didn't expect that to to, to happen. but at the end, at the same time, it, it does seem a little yeah. bit too predictable, yeah. you know, knowing what we all know about TV and stuff and how TV stories work. yeah, but um it's just like he kind of like assumed the male role of like of Tori and stuff like that. like you know, Robbie's got he had a dad who really wasn't there. His mom is hardly there. He faces like similar challenges as Tori, but his maybe aren't like having that financial weight over him. It's just a little bit more of like a disrupted family life. So a character that like, I'm not going to lie. I thought he was going to be one of the bad guys or the opposite of Miguel to kind of turn good or to maybe like, Hey, Johnny and him are going to have a relationship again kind of thing. And then Robbie joins Cobra Kai and they're, they're so dominant or whatever it is. But it was just that totally didn't happen and stuff like that. And now Robbie is with the bad guys. Robbie is definitely a formidable foe for Miguel as they both are are technically, I guess, one and one if we're talking in terms of the fight. And even even to take it up further than that, uh, Robbie, like really lost to Miguel in the finals because he was hurt and Miguel took that shot and everything. So Robbie is definitely a, he's definitely like the, the, the the toughest. He's definitely, I don't know if he's necessarily like the smartest, but he is definitely like one of the more presence. And thus why I put him as the main antagonist of the kids.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely, I wouldn't disagree with you whatsoever. I think that, um, kind of thinking about like the heroes and villains episode that we did and, and like the way that we laid some of those types out, I think we'd have to go to an additional, there's, there's, if we ever do a, like a redux of that episode, we have to talk about the, uh, dungeon, dungeon, uh, dungeons and dragons alignment chart. Okay. That gives you, um, sort of motivations for your character. And there's, I think there's nine. Hold on. I bring it up somewhere. Now. There's nine. Um, lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good, lawful neutral, true neutral, chaotic neutral, lawful evil, neutral evil, chaotic evil. Um I, I would I would put Robbie Robbie because he kind of defies the, the, the types that we set out. Maybe not defies, I think he occupies like several different roles in the charts that like we kind of laid out. Mm-hmm. And in terms of like this D and D chart, I would chart Robbie as chaotic neutral. That he's okay. kind of doing things for himself. He's not really good or bad, but like whatever he's involved in is sort of like very, it's very, um, over the top. It's very lambast, Like, it's just like, it's bombastic. It's like crazy.
0: Right. I got you, dude. Yeah. And number one, I would love to do a a redux of any of the heroes or villain episodes in any way, shape or form. And if we do do the the D&D chart, I'm going to call up Joe Manganiello and we're going to do this right. Okay. I got I got him on speed dial. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> it's my neighbor. <laughs> all right, so so to round out the um the section with the kids, like um, I gotta ask you, do, do you consider like any of the kids dead weight at all? Like, is there anybody that they could kind of do without? Uh, yeah,
1: yes, I mean, yes, for sure. Um, they obviously cut Aisha because her story with Sam probably stretched an entire season too long. Anyway, um, like that right. that was wrapped up in season one. Um, yeah. I-, I could give a flying fuck about Kyler being in this show at this point. Like, he was a necessary season one bad guy and just, like, he's not necessary now um, at this mm-hmm. point, even though he's still kind of stuck around. Um, and just sort of something that I found really funny, I didn't realize it until, like, he popped back up, but they wrote they wrote Anthony LaRusso out of the show for, like, eight episodes.
0: The, kid, the, the son?
1: Yeah. He's just gone. No shit. And then he just pops up yeah. at the end of, like, he pops up like, like midway into season three.
0: No way. I totally didn't even realize that. Like, I guess that makes a lot of sense as to why I didn't see the son and only Sam and Danny
1: and um, like his he, wife and everything. Right. It wasn't like they wrote him out. They just were like, well, there's nothing for this kid to do. So, right. And he, when he comes back, when he bounces back, he looks like he's lost weight. He's not as fat anymore. So he
0: must've got, he must've got a lead in a Disney show or something. Right, and that's why right. he, he wasn't available and stuff too. right. Uh, <laughs> they're like, Hey, since you're going to Disney, you got to get shape in shape. You seven year old. <laughs> so like, yeah, man, I, I, I kind of like all the kids, like um, the only, like you make a great point with like Kyler and stuff like that. Just a season one thing. It just kind of feels a little like regurgitated yeah. that we have him back in season three and stuff. And I do kind of understand the methodology of, Of doing it because they're trying to like amp up Cobra Kai, right? But at the the same time, it's just kind of—I guess I could have him in the dojo. I don't really like all the other kind of like secondary dialogue that he's gotten stuff. And the the main reason that I that like I kind of feel like that with him specifically is that the the core of the cast that we established in the first two seasons. It's pretty good. It's like, really I, good. like I like, yeah. I like the two heavier set guys, like the two bigger dudes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think they play well off of each other. Even like some of the little smaller kids and everything, I think they had their moments at times where, mm-hmm. um, where they have funny lines and are, are very, very likable and stuff. So I, I guess like I think they have all the moving parts. They didn't really need to make any additions as far right. as like my own personal opinion goes. But I guess, like, in terms of, like, the writers and stuff, they, they're they just trying to, like, you know, it's on Netflix now. Netflix bought it from YouTube. I'm sure Netflix has a plan, which we're going to get into the future of the show later on. But, um, like, it just kind of seemed like one of these things where, like, they brought people back to, to beef up the show for something. What that is, we, you know, we maybe kind of know. But I don't think we, you know, have the full kind of sp- the full spectrum of what the show is doing. So, right. Gotcha, yeah, so I, like, usually we do kind of throw in one of the dead weight questions, but for the most part, like, I really enjoy the kids, like, it's, I don't know why, I think some of the dialogue is they very do, wholesome, very Yeah. entertaining they,
1: I think this is one of the few shows, because I, I know I've said it before to you on the podcast and probably just in our conversations, like, I'm, I will, if, if I ever were to write something for a TV show, it would never involve children because right. kids are bad actors, generally speaking, and storylines involving kids are, they're they're just hampered because you can't, like, you can't really, like, stretch, without, like, it becoming something very dramatic or, like, a statement, you can't really right. stretch storylines with kids too much. Um, but they use the kids the exact right amount in the show. They're not in it too long. Um, even, even, you know, even with Miguel, even with our main kids, Miguel, Robbie... Uh, Tori and Sam and, and obviously and Hawk like they're not in it too much they're in it the right amount
0: definitely dude yeah I'm I I can't stand writing children like I'm not like I'm so far removed from when I was a child like any dialogue that I write that's a child's dog dialogue is just gonna seem like real forced and like really like adam doesn't know what he's talking about and they're right right. i don't know like how kids talk i don't hang out with kids (laughs) kids regularly and stuff and the one thing um i have noticed about this show because like you know you and i've been we've been watching high school shows and stuff like that or shows with high school elements in it like our you know basically our entire life so since high school like you ever notice how like man these situations after all this time it's all the same it's (laughs) crush on a girl Yeah, it's um, you know, it's who friends and all this stuff, and maybe some of the more like modern shows have um have dealt with more issues that are like you know that that are I'm not saying that are a little more like I guess relevant to the times like with kids um and their sexuality and stuff like that and um you know kind of some of the um some of the LGBTQ issues that uh, are currently like in the country Mm -hmm. being addressed through television, but man like for for the most part it is. All the same. it is. It, this is like, all we need is that pep rally scene and stuff like that, where somebody slaps somebody in the face. And this is every high school show that has ever existed.
1: You're, yeah. And there's, there's this thing that has persisted and I don't, I don't want to get too far into this, but there's this thing that's persisted in high school movies going back forever where, and I know, I know it's set up this way more visually so we can like follow our main characters. And it's anytime there's a high school party, they are organized in such a way that it makes me think that the writers have never been to a party before. It's, it's it's very, very strange. Like the, like you'll have a high school party where like, you know, there's like 40, 50 people packed into like the living room or whatever. And every single person is dancing. And I'm like, Nope, that never happens at a party. Have you ever been to one? And I realize it's, it's to set like, so like when you have your, your main characters moving through, you can find them easier. Um, and right. so like it, the, the background doesn't look f- totally fucking dead with people just like sitting around, but like <laughs> right. uh, high school parties in movies never look right. They, I, they've like none of, even college parties, they never look like parties I've ever been to.
0: No, I, I have, dude, I have never been to a everybody dancing and the, the dancing thing is like the center of the party. I've never been to that. Like, and I'm not going to lie, like. We as as people who graduated high school and who went to high school, we were sold on a false fucking dream, man. When I started playing, when I started playing football and stuff, I thought it was going to be dazed and confused and varsity <laughs> blues and shit. But yeah, like when I tried to steal a cop car, I actually get arrested. Like, who would have thought? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the that's the and I didn't try to steal the cop car, but God only knows that is the fantasy that I scri- subscribe that I signed up for and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were totally deprived of that. And I dude, like our senior year and stuff, we maybe had like one or two like major parties and it's just basically everybody sitting around crushing Natty, watching sports.
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, that's been parties my whole life. Basically. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, yeah, it's like, I mean, even some of the big ragers that we threw in college, I never walked into a room with like 40 kids just grinding on each other. I'm like, that, that never happened. No, never. Never in my life. (laughs) Never in my fucking life.
0: (laughs) No, that's good. And yeah, that is a tangent worthy thing right there. So I'm going to pull ourselves out of it right now because, man, like you just opened up a lot of floodgates to the difference between real parties and movie parties and stuff. So, okay, so let's continue on to the um, what I call like the core of the original cast here. So I want to get into we're going to right away get into the Karate Kid himself, Ralph Macchio, Daniel LaRusso. Okay, just two things you like about this character, like the Daniel LaRusso of the future.
1: Um, I like that this show acknowledges, because this is is what I do remember from the first one, and I want to go back and watch it. I, I like that this show acknowledges that Daniel LaRusso was a fucking brat as a kid. Like, he may have been, you know, wronged by Johnny Lawrence, but, like, he was a fucking brat. And his wife is sort of like the alarm bell for this now. Like they're, uh, you know, like we had in the, in the movie, we have Pat Morita just sort of like set him straight and then tell him mm-hmm. to, to fuck off basically when he was doing something stupid, but right. in you know, obviously Pat Morita has been dead for like, like what, 15 years, 16 years, something like that. Um, But now we have his wife who by the way is way too young for him, um, <laughs> but we have his wife is sort of like, every time he talks about, you know, getting, getting revenge or doing this with uh, against Cobra Kai or doing this. She's like, hey, by the way, you're a fifty-year-old man who runs who right. has a successful business that needs your that it needs your attention. Can you stop being a brat for a second? So she's sort right. of like an alarm bell or his conscience in a way, or like even like an audience surrogate, that like like stop being a brat. Like you're you're over this. This is this is done. And I do like I do like the the flip flopping of of the LaRusso character and obviously the Jackie Lawrence character um i do like the flip-flopping that now um daniel's in this position of power right he wants for nothing because it does it does help push him into that it does help push push him in. he's not quite an antagonist but like as the audience it makes him when it's necessary to not like him it makes it easy to not like him
0: yeah they do a phenomenal job of of shifting protagonistic and antagonistic emotions on the audience and stuff like that. And there were times like in season one and stuff, like when you're watching it early on, you're, you know, you're just like, okay, the show's about Johnny Daniel's like the supposed to be the bad guy. It's kind of like, there's this book that we, um, we were had to like read or we were read to in school called the real story of the three little pigs, which is all from the wolf's perspective. Mm-hmm. And basically the wolf is just like, I was sick and I sneezed and I blew their house down it's made of sticks. What do you want from me? You know, right. Like, like one of these kind of things, which, and I really love that about this particular story. And then they kind of take it a little bit farther. And it's almost like it, there was just these points in time where it felt like every couple episodes, it's like, well, am I supposed to like Danny? Am I supposed to like Johnny and stuff? They do this great job of of shifting those kind of emotions in the audience and everything. I mean, almost more so with this little kids' karate show than they do in big time dramas like Sons of Anarchy or Thrones or something like that. Mm. You know, it's 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 a kind of a amazing way to see what they've done.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Like, it's you know, we get that we get that like early on when it's one of those moments that like sort of tells you like what. The you know that Daniel Russo is willing to go to some extremes to to fu- to try to fuck over his you know his karate rival mm-hmm. when he v- pays a visit to the to Rosita to talk to the landlord and gets everyone's rent raise. That is a fucking right. huge brat dick move.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yes, you bet. That is that whole like if everybody can't do it, I'm going to do it kind of like mentality or whatever. You know, and just like I need to get in my way. I don't care who it affects. Kind of shit and stuff, which mm-hmm. is exactly the way like stupid teenage bratty kids and everything like that, uh, that do for sure. Yeah. And like mine, the first one that I have is it's sort of in the same neighborhood. Like it's basically like just centered on the fact that Daniel is just the perfect anti antithesis for Mm -hmm. Johnny Lawrence and everything like that. I mean, just the two of them and this kind of big switcheroo that they had in life where Johnny is now in the toilet and Daniel is kind of like on top of everything, I I just think that they really do a great job of making sure that he is the antithesis when he needs to be. But at times they're almost like the same person, which is exactly what you really, really want in a really good hero villain kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. is where Mm -hmm. like, hey, and we talked about this before, where the villain and the hero are basically the same dude minus a couple of bullet points, you know, so. Um, I think that that's really great. And the second thing that I love, I said it before, I fucking loved the game of Thrones banter with him and and everything. Mm -hmm. Knowing that Larusso was a Daniel uh, game of Thrones fan. It just, after we had the last season of game of Thrones, like I, I, I'm not going to lie, man. I have thought minimally about the show. The only times that I think I've vocalized anything about game of Thrones is the podcast talking to you, Mm -hmm. like off, uh, off, uh, off air Um, I have complained to Jessica a couple of times about just where the hell are they doing with all these stupid prequels like Mm -hmm. shit like that. Um, But other than those, I have not even entertained any real Game of Thrones dialogue. I think I made a tweet about Game of Thrones one time in the last year and just kind of hearing Game of Thrones banter and him trying to, you know, take some of the lessons and some of the morals, if there were any in Game of Thrones and apply it to the Miyagi-Do and his relationship with Dimitri It was just kind of a nice, like, it was just nice, man. It just kind of made me feel like how things were, like, in the, you know, the mid-2010s when Game of Thrones was awesome and everybody was talking about it. I just thought it was cool to have uh, that banter. It was a nice little refresher.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I I agree with you. It wasn't, and even though it'll date the show a little bit, you (laughs) know, it's one of the things that'll date it a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't just, like, wedged in there. That is something that a kid in 2018 would have been talking about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like a a kid like Dimitri, hell, any kid, not just like, not just a nerdy kid, but like people love Game of Thrones, or they loved it (laughs) until the last season. So, okay. Um, Anything you don't like about uh, Mr. LaRusso?
1: Just have a conversation with Johnny. Like (laughs) it's been 40 years. You defeated him. Your life is great. Have a conversation with him. It'll clear a lot of things up. Right. Yeah,
0: I know. It's amazing and the thing that I don't like about him, I'm going to tie our answers together here. I can't stand how this fucking guy is so preachy sometimes. And Mm -hmm. for somebody who is as preachy as this dude is, why the hell wouldn't you just go up to Johnny and try to resolve your differences? Like (laughs) it's almost like somewhere in, somewhere in the teachings that you are trying to regurgitate for all these kids. There's advice that you yourself should be following. (laughs) And, and like, believe me, man, like, there there is like a certain personality type where like if an alcoholic tells me to stop drinking, I'm going to be like, go fuck yourself, you know, but like if um, if somebody who's all like real preachy, and I guess it's the same thing. If somebody who's all preachy but doesn't really like, you know, act upon their word or their actions don't necessarily match some of their um, some of their their choice in language it's just like, screw you, dude. You know what I'm saying? It's like, so here you are, you're about to lecture people about inner peace and you're on a, you're on a majestic boat with Sam and everything like that, you know, and everything looks awesome. Giving her this life speech, but here you are, you know, if it came down to it, you would probably throw paint all over uh, the inside of Cobra Mm -hmm. Kai if you were given a paint bucket Mm -hmm. in 15 minutes of time. So like, those are some of the things that like, it it just kind of gets annoying, you know? And I know that, um, the wise like kind of older character that gives advice is sort of a like staple of like martial arts and like the oh, kind sure. of the, the genre and everything like that. But it's, it's so believable when it comes from Mr. Miyagi who says that stuff and then actually does that stuff then it is this guy who preaches that stuff. And then at the same time is trying to take out his high school rival in mm-hmm. some you know, like a midlife crisis version mm-hmm. of a high school relationship, you know, right?
1: That is very, very <laughs> well put. He is, he is, and he, you know, and he, and he says as much, and in, in, certainly in season three, but I think he says it in season two as well that, like, Mr. Miyagi made this look so easy, like, mm-hmm. being the mentor, guiding people, he made this look so easy. Um, you know, so, like, I mean, you know, I think part of that is very, obviously very intentional, a big part of it. But yeah, like it's I do get a kick out of when his wife and Amanda just like, hey, you're acting like you're fucking 17 again. Please stop. It's like a, right. it's like a nice reality check. I'm like, good. I'm not the only one who thinks that.
0: Yeah. Dude, like that scene where um they're eating in the Mexican restaurant and stuff like yes. that, you know, and all those little like snide comments be- between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just know for a fact that like, if I even got to like one zinger against somebody else, like, dude, just would be having my ass, you know, and I'm saying (laughs) like, it's, it's just like, Hey dude, like, shouldn't you move? Like, shouldn't you sort of move beyond it? And there are even times when like, you know, like just for example, like you, um, I don't know if you've ever been in this position, but like, let's just say you're like out at a bar or something, you know, like back before the pandemic and everything. And you saw somebody from high school that like you clearly didn't like, and they're the tides have greatly turned in their lives where like, they're clearly like, Just not even not saying that you and I are like super wealthy and everything, but we're clearly doing a little bit better, like have our heads above water than some people. And you just really like want to just like say, man, I'm going to this is the point in time. This is like payback for everything. And then you just don't do it and stuff like that's, you know, that's kind of like um God, that was a great example that was tied into the whole Daniel Russo thing and all the meat of it just got lost. But either way, so like, yes, like you should just be a little bit more of an adult about it. And God only knows I wanted to do that so many times. And there's even some times I've had where it's come back to bite me in the ass in some fucking crazy way. But uh, it just shows you to like act, you know, act your age and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, OK, so going into John Crease, played by Martin Cove. All right. So. Let me start off by asking, so season three featured these flashback sequences, which we didn't have before in the mm-hmm. previous scenes. They provided a little bit of insight as to the show's like primary adult antagonist and stuff. So
1: do you think that these flashback sequences are necessary? I, maybe one or two. Um, okay. But like the fact that this stretches out over basically the entire season is I mean, I mean it's not it's not every episode but um but it basically stretches out over the entire third season it's 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 unnecessary to me because i don't want to sympathize with john crease at all okay I, I like him being a sort of blunt instrument of antagonism and okay. i'm fine with having because we already are doing a show about filling in why johnny lawrence isn't an asshole or he is an asshole, but, like, why we should sympathize with him. We're already doing this. We don't need to do it with two characters. Um, right. <laughs> and we already did three movies with with Daniel LaRusso at the helm, so we don't need... It, like, we're done with backstory at this point, other than, other than obviously, filling in some blanks with Johnny Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's one of those things that it could have been, like, one or two episodes. Maybe if you even wanted to do a full episode that was yeah. just the John Cree story. I would have right. been totally okay with it. It's just too much. It's too much humanizing John Kreese when we don't need to humanize him.
0: No, I totally got you on that one. Okay. Like, I definitely understand about the humanizing part. Like, I, it's weird. Like, I, you know how there are certain bad guys where you, you kind of want some of this stuff, you know, you kind of want like to see where they come from. Like, yeah. A little bit of humanizing is good, but you get a sense of their human side way early on you don't get that with John crease and the the karate kid and stuff. Like they kind of add a little bit of this humanist side later on when they find out he's living in this kind of halfway house and stuff. Right. They try to pump up some emotion for this guy. And that but, was enough um, for me. That's enough. Yeah. You know, something like I got to tell you, so like I want, I'm going to answer this, this whole thing is this whole section on crease. I think I want to like kind of tie it in together. Sure. So like, I'm going ask, gonna to ask you the next question here, which is like, you know, so we've had, um, these characters from the, the, the movies and stuff like that they come and go in like an episode maybe a couple episodes crease has been around now for going on two seasons easily looking on three um like let me see what the rest of this question is is uh, so do you think that there's any reason that they had him around this entire time like
1: see this is this is sort of one of the things that I I I don't like about the show and I'll get to it more in depth uh, actually a little bit later on in question it's that like we're we're dipping way too much into the original trilogy, um, for storylines and for for emotional beats and for like hey remember this kind of stuff like we're dipping way too much into the into the original into the originals instead of like forging a new path forward. Um, John Kreese is the main villain in the third movie. Uh, he and uh, he and Thomas Ian Griffith are like the main villains in the, in the third movie. So. Like, and, and he's in, he's in the second movie briefly, obviously. Like they do the, it opens up with the, um, with the window smashing scene from the end of the first movie. Um, so I mean, John Kreese is in all three of these movies, but it's, it's, it's like we don't like, I just don't think we need to go back and fill in the blank for like why John Kreese was an asshole in 1984, 1986 and 1989. And like the origins of that, we like, we got it. He was a Vietnam vet. who did some fucked up shit. I get it.
0: Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. And like, for me, since I haven't seen two or three, I'm a, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit of coming at this from a different angle than you are. Cause like, I, I guess since I don't have that kind of connection, like there's not much about the character that I know I didn't mind. Like I said, like one episode would have been perfect. Actually the whole like crease centric episode where you know, it basically follows him around the whole time. And we see this in television all the time where they intertwine flashbacks in and out of the episode, something like that I think would have been perfect. However, like the flashbacks, like I don't necessarily know if they really do anything to the character. Like Mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Like I, I thought that, um, they it would have amounted to something more than just him killing his drill sergeant and stuff or knocking him into a snake pit. I, I don't know. I, I don't really know like how, what else they could have done, but I just kind of expected something different than that. And, um, so where I'm going with this is I think that the show right now, like you you make this point about dipping in a little bit too much into the, um, into the original trilogy. For me, I don't really know because like where else it could go, you know. So I, I think that they're trying to like maximize what they can out of this like hateful face from the past to kind of just avoid it being one of those like, okay, so a newer, more badass dojo is in town, and now we have to go fight them. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. like I, so like I could appreciate some of the developments. Um, I think the only reason that that he's been around is because they they don't really know where else to take the story. And like, I, since I like, I'm not going to lie, like I, I enjoy it. And so far he's at the point in time where I think in my own personal like mind that, um, we're reaching the end, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he shouldn't, he should not be in anything beyond uh, season four or whatever, because once we get, to, we're already kind of treading on him being in there a little bit too long but if he's in anything beyond four, it's just going to be like, God, now you guys really don't know what you're doing. Right.
1: And I think if if they really wanted to 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 make it work, the the crease presence should end in episode one or two of season four, because they're only yeah. like a, they're only like, a, I, I think by the end of season three, they're only like a couple of weeks away from the All Valley. So it shouldn't like if we have to do another 10 episodes. And creases in all of them, uh, not that be not that'll be like pissed off or anything. I just think it would be more effective. This this thinking back to the season of The Walking Dead with Terminus and the cannibals. Yeah, they blow them up in the first episode of the next season, and then like they're right. scattered. And obviously yep. they come back around every now and then, but like that threat is like killed in the first episode of the next season.
0: Yes, exactly, and that that is one thing about TV shows like that. If you know when to pull the plug on something, do it before it becomes too old. And I'm sure that there's stuff in the walking dead that they've carried on for a while oh, for that sure. might be burning its last oil right now. But terminus was something that we could not be in for longer than like one season, you mm-hmm. know? I and mean? it's the same, it's the same thing with the, them being stuck with the governor and everything, which is like when my personal, it's like my favorite little chunk of the show's oh, history. Great. Yeah. But, but you couldn't be there like the entire time and everything like that. you know? So it's like, you got to know when to like cut to cut those strings. And I, you're right. Like they only have a couple weeks coming up to the all Valley. I would be, I would be a little let down. I'm still going to watch the show, but I would be a little let down if they did one of those like weirdo arty things where like it starts in the, it starts at the all Valley tournament and then they work their way backwards or some shit like that. You know, like, it's like if we're going to be at the point in time where a new, more badass dojo comes to town, which I think we're going to be there eventually, especially if they take this thing on longer than four or five seasons. Like, like, let's at least get there as soon as humanly possible so mm-hmm. we can wrap it up and go on to something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> OK, gotcha. Yeah. So I um, those are I just had to ask those like those are like kind of like the. The only like real things that were really kind of getting me with um with a uh, Martin Cove and Crease and stuff, and he's actually God, he's he's parlayed this into a little like a side gig. He's a spokesperson for yep. um like something right now. It's like stocks, it's or something like insurance. I think it was pills. an insurance company, right? Insurance, it's insurance. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it was, it was something like for older people, like it whether it's stocks, insurance, dick pills, whatever it is. Like it's something for something for older people. So, all right, so now let's get into the the man of the hour himself. William Zabka, Johnny Lawrence. Okay, I, we've, we've been kind of touching on this. Let's get into it right now. This, this is the the right choice. Is him as the um, protagonist for the show? Oh,
1: of course. There, there. Like I said, we've already told we've already told the the Daniel Larusso story, and it's it's significantly more interesting. It's significantly more interesting when your a your hero has some like significant flaws. Um, B he's uh he's you know rough around the edges you know he's he's a very lovable anti-hero and it's it's perfect to center it's perfect to center the story around him because because we've already seen him as the asshole and you know we've already seen him you know at his lowest well now at his lowest it's just a straight redemption story with some bumps mm-hmm. along the road and it's a story about obviously redemption it's a story about how he I guess you could take it as commentary about how people either evolve or don't evolve or adapt or don't adapt to the way things change. And Johnny for, you know, the past, apparently almost 40 years hasn't has decided not to adapt until now. Now he's deciding to adapt and change because, you know, Danny LaRusso did and look where it got him. So he's got to change too.
0: Right. Right. Of course, dude. Yes. It's time for Johnny Lawrence to start making some changes. And I got to tell you, man, like this is the, like, I agree. This is like the only way that this whole thing could be done. And like, you're right. We've seen all the other stories, all that stuff is played out. And like nobody, it is not a selling point in any way, shape or form for anybody to walk into YouTube and pitch a show. That's like now Daniel LaRusso from the karate kid. What has he been up to all this time? You know, that's not interesting. No No one going to care about Daniel LaRusso, but you throw in this really interesting twist about what about it? What if it's about the guy that he beats, in the all Valley that has the hook that has that weight that has something that they can do, you know, that they could build off of. That has that redemption story. It has the story about a man basically not giving a shit about his life. And then all of a sudden, like now it's his wake up call. Now he has people in his life. He's got this relationship with Miguel, who's just like, it's like, you know, kind of pseudo, Son-like mm-hmm. figure. He's got a relationship with his son that he's now got to try to mend. He's and he wants to do it and everything. There's just way more there than hey, like let's see what Daniel Russo. He's got a car dealership, right now. What if across the street opens up another car dealership and that guy likes karate? No, it's not. It just doesn't work. You know what right. I'm saying? Like there's there. <clears throat> There's no amount of exclamation points I could put in those sentences to move, to put a jingle in the pants of an executive at a studio, you know? Mm. So, yeah, I think that this is the only way to do it. Um, I This is probably, in my mind, this is like the true continuation of the story like i would even say like that the karate kid two and three that, 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 that like doesn't even really have to exist in my mind this is like the uh the michael myers you know 30 years down the road where it just takes place after the second one or whatever this is ignoring
1: everything else oh i this wouldn't though because two and three problem. are good two and three are good okay. yeah oh i Quick, mean two's good three's just like let's just have people beat the shit out of each other with karate okay, okay. it's fun like I'm, it's it's not a great movie but it's fun
0: One of these days, I'm going to get around to rounding out this. Whenever these movies become available, I don't know if they're on Amazon or Netflix for free right now or whatever. One of these days, I'm going to do it because I have such an interest in the show and stuff. So I'm going to see it. I'm telling you, you're going to walk up and there will be one day randomly. It's just like, dude, I just saw the Karate Kid part two. You're right. It's pretty good all this time. So, all right. Now, if you were to describe the middle-aged Johnny Lawrence in one sentence, what would it be?
1: I already sort of, you know, said it, so I'll just go for it, but he's finally trying to evolve. Okay. It might not always be successful, but he is trying to evolve.
0: Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Man trying to evolve. Definitely. Cause he is almost like a devolved human being mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, I, and this goes into my kind of answer is just like, I put him as the meathead. I never want to be because <laughs> I do not understand. I do not understand these people. Okay. Like, and you and I know somebody who is exactly like this minus the karate and stuff you throw in all the eighties hair rock and the, uh, you know, the, the pseudo manliness and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, exactly. There's a three lettered last name individual of a person that you and I went to high school with and stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what I'd never want to be that and stuff like how do you not know like what the internet is? You know what I'm saying? How do you not know like how to work a computer? Right. You're in your 40s. You're, you're like you're your 40s 50s. or 50s or whatever. 50s. 50s. Yeah. Yeah. You're not that old and stuff like that. There are people who are in their 50s that are way more tech savvy than I am. And I'm not saying that this guy's got to be able to like hack, you know, hack NASA or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, you know, You're taking the laptop into a pawn shop and we're having a discussion about the plugging it into the actually plugging the laptop Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. And I I know that there are people that are like that out there. And it's just like this is something like I never want to be, you know, and and particularly the um, the moment with uh, D. Snyder and everything when he's in there. Taking Miguel into a D. Snyder concert, which I'm not going to lie, I would be love to be. I would love to somehow sneak in a duffel bag full of beers into a concert it, and just yeah. open them up and slam them like that. But when he says like D. Snyder is like the greatest singer in the world or the greatest singer of all time, it's just like a sign of a devolved human yes, being. You, you know exactly. Like no matter how much one could like Twisted Sister, and I guarantee you, Twisted Sister has probably got some diehardish. Oh, bands. for sure. There is no way that like I could ever look at somebody who is even the most hardcore Twisted Sister fan that says Dee Snider is the greatest singer ever and be like, yeah, this is a person I really want to talk to for, I really want to find out why he thinks Dee Snider is the Mm -hmm. greatest singer in the world. I don't want that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, it's just this representation of like, it's this representation of like, of, of, of manliness of like this, of the meathead persona of even, like, just, like, the working stiff that I feel is, like, a very devolved human being, which is something I, I don't want to be. Right. Yeah, so, alright, so to round out um, this section on William Zabka, after Cobra Kai's over, where's this guy's career going?
1: You know, it's it's funny, I mean, even though he hasn't done anything super notable, um, uh, you know, prior, to, you know, since, basically, since, it shouldn't say super notable, because he's been in plenty of things, This guy's been working constantly since 1984. I mean, like, constantly. Um, His, you know, most, probably before this, like, the biggest thing he would have been in, uh, he was in How I Met Your Mother for, like, eight or ten episodes. Um, He's just been, he has been playing, basically since he, like, turned 40, he's been playing, like, the same type of, like, sort of, like, attractive bachelor that you kind of feel sorry for that he's still a bachelor. And okay. now that he's, like, yet even older, you know, he's, like, what, 54, 55, I, he's going to go on to, because this this certainly is going to help him and, and Ralph Macho for that matter, like, take some stepping stones after the show's over, you know, to, mm-hmm. to some new roles. Um, But now he's going to be sort of, like, I'm, like, imagining, like a, sh- like, a show like The Unicorn. If it didn't have Walton Goggins in it, it'd have Bill- Billy Zabs in it. Okay, gotcha. He'd be the hot gotcha. dad. How the hell did
0: Walden Goggins get on CBS in the first place? I, like, I,
1: by the way, I have heard that that show is not what you think it is. It's it's not I've, like a CBS sitcom, if that makes sense. I've,
0: I've heard the show is actually really good, and yeah. I'm kind of afraid to start watching it. I, same because here. I, like, it's I, got like, a cast I, that I
1: really like too. Yeah,
0: dude. It's like, how do you put Walden Goggins, Rob Corddry, and Michaela Watkins in a room together and have it not be good? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I just, I'm completely like mystified by this show. But at the same time, I don't want to be like going up to people like here in los angeles and stuff being like god you guys see the latest episode of the unicorn Unicorn. it was awesome they're gonna be like no it wasn't directed by fellini asshole." (laughs) (laughs) so yeah dude like he's this whole thing is definitely gonna do something for him and you're right man this guy's been he's been consistently working and stuff like that he just doesn't have the um you know like how like ralph macchio is in entourage and stuff and Mm -hmm. it's like hey it's the karate kid having this thing with drama Mm -hmm. he just since he didn't win the fight and he wasn't the star of the movie, he just like you know it's it's you don't have the same kind of like comedic kind of weight that that comes exactly. with that situation of like it's almost like if Corey Feldman were to have some kind of beef with Johnny Drama or something like that, like a character you could kind of build a humorous situation around, or hey, yeah. that person is the Karate Kid, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely. Like, I don't think he's going to become, like, the new Chuck Norris or anything like that. I mean, that's definitely not happening there. But I I could see him getting, like, you know – there's been a couple movies that have come out um, at least in the last 20 years where they are like martial arts centric and they are like a dark comedy wise, like foot fist way. Mm-hmm. And um, the art of self-defense, which you haven't seen the art of self-defense. It's fucking great. It's really good for a, like a Jesse Eisenberg movie. I actually like Jesse Eisenberg in it and uh, he doesn't talk a lot, which is what makes it. That's movie probably simple. why. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So um, like I, I see him being like, you know, the, kind of like the karate instructor you know who's like got the dark and it's funny and he drinks during class like you know he might even be like the the drunk stupid coach kind of role character going forward and Mm -hmm. stuff and so like this the this show did something for martin cove it's going to do something for both william zabka and ralph macchio it's just i'm very interested to see like what kind of thing they do that's really popular after this, because they're going to latch on to some, whether it be a cameo in a major franchise, they're going to latch on to something that gives them that kind of like Mike Tyson and the hangover kind of mm-hmm. um, kind of stature amongst like, um, you know, the audience and stuff. Hey, you remember William Zabka's cameo in, uh, in the hangover five, man, that was like the best cameo ever, like stuff like that.
1: No, I I think you're absolutely right, and uh, let's let's pitch this right now to a Hollywood executive. William Zabka, Ralph Macchio, the new odd couple, and they just do karate the entire time.
0: Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be fucking amazing. <laughs> they do karate everywhere they go, like whether it be trying to get into a club, somebody at the grocery store. That's exactly right. Yes, you bet. A Zabka, Zabka does.
1: Zabka does. He's the sloppy one. He's the uh, He's the Oscar, right? Yeah, Oscar. Mm-hmm um he does he does drunken boxing so he's kind of like swaying all over the place and and macho right. does like the more like buttoned up like shaolin or like even the okinawan uh, karate i'm right, telling right, you right. this is gold baby
0: oh yeah i'm telling you hollywood this believe me you guys are welcome for all the great ideas that have been pitched to you over <laughs> the uh, over the years here on this podcast and everything like that so you guys are definitely welcome for that <clears throat> all right man all right so we're gonna move on to a couple of questions that i have just about the show in general and i gotta ask you this to start off with like so you know we all know cobra kai used to be on youtube red i think or youtube tv one they're basically it was, it,
1: they're... youtube tv started as youtube red then it just became youtube tv gotcha
0: okay gotcha yeah like i knew, i couldn't remember and i think at the time i had we had two different versions or something like that. Dude, We had dabbled into every single possible streaming thing out here since we moved out here. So anyway, regardless, it was on YouTube, then moved over to Netflix. And since they moved over to Netflix, have they been dropping less F bombs?
1: Uh, yes, but it has nothing to do with Netflix.
0: Okay. Like I just, for some reason, like I think when the show first came out, I remembered it being a little bit more raunchy and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and, like, I don't know, like, it just seems like it's like, okay, we moved over to Netflix, a larger audience, and maybe we should make it a little more family-friendly, and I swear they only dropped, like, two or three F-bombs in season three. So,
1: yeah, no, you're right, and I think it has nothing to do with Netflix, it has more to do with the fact that in the first, in the first season, the amount of interaction with the kids wasn't as significant. Um, gotcha. So they're not going to swear at each other, because Netflix has, they're just the distributor, they just bought it, it was already filmed. Um, Sony Pictures makes this show. Um, gotcha. So unless Netflix managed to edit a show during the middle of a pandemic when no one was allowed to work, um, <laughs> which I don't think they did, just to remove f bombs. Um, it just has to do with where the story's going. Like we're having more, you know, Miguel, Robbie, Tori, Sam, and the other kids um, are all having so much more screen time. Not that they wouldn't say fuck, but I, I remember being that age and not <clears throat> swearing nearly as much as I did as I as I do now.
0: Yeah, you know, I will say, like, if they were to just all of a sudden, like, crank up the F-bombs or something, like, let's just say, for example, somebody out there is having the exact same conversation we're having, which is probably true because we, you know, we're geniuses and stuff. Like, it just, it would just seem so out of character if, like, all of a sudden all the kids were like, hey, fuck you, Jimmy Stick, or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and it, basically dropping an sort of out of F-bombs because they can you know, like, yeah. I, um... But I did notice, like, yeah, it just it felt like to me that there was a little bit more raunchier in the beginning. And you're right. There's definitely way more interaction um, with the kids now than there were um, in the previous seasons. That's for sure.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, so you and I both described this show as perfect. Yep. Like this is something that, um, believe me, we use the perfect term a lot, but we don't use it. We were not really like just handing it out to everybody here. So
1: what about this show? Like... What is perfect about it to you? I think I think that what's so perfect is that they and 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 I will say this in season three, it's a little bit too much, but in the first two seasons, for sure, they found the right amount of nostalgia to play on. They found the mm-hmm. right you know the right moments to make fun of or rehash or do a different way, like when uh, you know when we have the first all valley karate tournament and Miguel lines up the the crane kick. You know, just to make fun of, uh, you know, tells him, Johnny tells him they to line of the crane kick just to make fun of LaRusso. Like, that's a great little nostalgia moment that's like, you know, like, if you throw it out there now and we know that we're not, someone's, no one's going to get defeated by a crane kick at any point in time. So we don't have to worry about that. It was poked fun at, we moved on. There's, mm-hmm. so they do like that kind of nostalgia well. They do a good job of, um, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, the character of of Johnny Lawrence evolving. They also do a very good job of evolving like the way that these kids would, you know, even though we've talked about it, you just talked about how it's the same problems in the nine, the two thousands, the nineties, the eighties, the seventies, sixties in high school. It's the same problems. They do a very good job of evolving, of evolving the issues that these kids have, you know, to obviously meet a modern audience and then using that to sort of also evolve, you know, Johnny Lawrence and for that matter, Daniel LaRusso. Um, so like everything that they're doing, it's, if they're not shooting for the moon, they're just trying to have some fun with the nostalgia. They're trying to have some fun with the karate itself, you know, the actual physical acting of it. And, you know, like the issues and stuff that they are kind of touching on, you know, at the perf- at the periphery are also like relevant and timely and, and are helping shape the characters. So it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it, it's target that it's trying to hit. It's hitting with, it's hitting directly in the middle.
0: Dude, that's a really good way to put it, man. They're hitting this target directly in the freaking middle. With the nostalgia thing, totally. They're using it in every right way, and they're using it just the right amount, too. And I know that, um, I mean, we're going to have a lot more of them in the future, but right now there's kind of like a small sample size to go off of when it comes with these like uh, 30 year or decades later sequels or continuations and stuff. And. I've seen Indiana Jones and the crystal skull. That's not a way to do it. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Not a way to work in old Indiana Jones type things. You know, it's not even the right way to even bring Indiana Jones back to the big screen. Um, I've seen the trailer for bill and Ted uh, face the music. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet. I want to see it and I will see it, but from the trailer, I kind of, Got to kind of kind of know what I'm getting into. Here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're basically looking at hot tub time machine too, where you know, or like, which is basically Bill and Ted. So just, Hey, they travel in all these different situations, stuff goes wrong. And it's like, you know, Bill and Ted in jail and they're jacked, and so forth and so on with Bill and Ted in different costumes and stuff. Not to say that that's not going to be entertaining, but I think they're kind of like, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't feel, it feels a little cheaper than uh, what they're doing here with Cobra Kai and everything yeah. like that, you know? So the way that they use this nostalgia, the way that they even intertwine the footage from some of the older movies. And even when Johnny was telling Miguel about, you know, Hey, like LaRusso stole my girl and everything. But in the karate kid, we know it from a completely different perspective and stuff like that. So it's, um it's really cool that the way that they, play into the the, the the nostalgia, work in some of the stuff from the other movies and everything. Like I, I do really, really like that a lot. And it's a good that you brought that up because I completely agree with you on that. And like for me, the, the perfect kind of classification, like it's one of these deals where um, it's kind of hard to put into words sometimes, but there's just something about when you're watching this, it is just hitting on all the right levels. You're right. The nostalgia thing, the show is just like an enjoyable show in general. You know what I'm saying? I I do think that it needs the attachment of the karate kid in order to survive. I don't think this would work as well as a standalone show. I think it would seem a little bit too much like something Danny McBride would do, Mm -hmm. but, um, they really like just play all of their cards the right way. They pick the right way to develop the characters. They pick the right conflicts for the characters to have. They put the right characters against one another. And like in some way, every basically every member of Miyagi Do has a antithesis to them on Cobra Kai or Mm -hmm. like their own little personal villain to overcome. So there's just it's just like done it's just so freaking well like everything from like i said before making johnny the protagonist all the way down to the way that the characters interact and there are times where i actually feel like an emotional kick out of the show because they've done a great job of making the characters so accessible and so likable you know what i'm saying there's not really any like i mean with the exception of crease who you just outright can't stand everybody else has got this like certain kind of something about them that makes you want to root for them. And it's amazing that they put all of this into these kids in a teen show. And for it to hook me as a about to be 37 year old man, it's just, it's very impressive. This is something I normally wouldn't be as big a fan of. Yeah. I, I, I
1: like the, I like the way they use the term accessibility and, and the way we're rooting for these characters, because even though I feel like, even though I already mentioned, uh, just like to go back to Tori, that, um, that I I feel like she's going to be a villain to the very end, if you will. I'm mm-hmm. still cheering for her to not be a villain. Right. I'm st- I'm still on her side. I'm still, you know, even before Hawk made his turn um, back towards, more towards being Eli Moskowitz again, um, I was still cheering for, and we got, you know, we got the seeds of Hawk's doubt in season right. three, right? Anyway, but like, you know, you're like, you're, you're just from season one to season three, you're like, okay, we know that that's not really him. And underneath that, uh, underneath the tattoo and, and the giant uh, mohawk, like we know that's not him. Um, right. So we're cheering for him, even though even, even though he's an even though he's an asshole villain. Same with Miguel. You know, we were cheering for Miguel to not become, even though he became a little bit of a Cobra Kai asshole. You know, we knew that he was going to come back. And we we're cheering for that. So like all of the kids, for the most part, we're all cheering for. We all want to do well because they are they are written they're written well enough that like we know enough about them we know enough about their circumstances that we do just like you know like that the the last shot of, of the finale in season three when Miyagi-Do and Cobra or that at that point Eagle Fang um, <laughs> right. you know finally come together it, it's like it's like a moment that you are like it's like yes like everyone can finally get on board with this
0: Right. Ex- exactly, dude. Yeah. The whole god, the eagle fang thing. Yes. I fucking love that name, too. I'm not going to lie. It's That's so a, that is also
1: for... another style of Shaolin karate.
0: OK, interesting. I did not know that. I just thought that was something Johnny pulled out of his ass, because that sounds something so appropriate for Johnny Lawrence to call his own karate dojo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I'm telling you, man, like I have never it has been a long time since in my like basically being over 21 years old life fan that i have cared about child characters so much in a tv show like i maybe the oc might have been the last one and even by the time i was in my 20s i rare i the show had hit its uh hit its end for me but i shouldn't be as involved in the storylines of teenagers as i am in cobra kai it's just right. kind of like god damn how old are you actually adam jesus christ
1: oh and, and sorry i was right it's not eagle fang it's eagle claw is the is the style of is the style of karate Okay, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Which still sounds like something Johnny Lawrence would yes. pull out of his pull yes. out of his
0: hat for sure. So when um, when it comes to like paying homage to the original movies, do you think that they do a good job of paying homage to um, some of the other characters from the movies?
1: Yeah, I, I think they do. I think they do a solid job. There's times where it feels just a little bit too shoehorned in. Um, I know yeah. they I know they wanted to get um, the, the Rob Garrison who actually was suffering with cancer and died. Um, right. I know that they did want to get him into an episode. So like, even though the episode where they take the road trip, uh, where they go up to Big Bear Lake. Yeah. They go true? somewhere.
0: Yeah. In the, yeah, up
1: there, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, even though that felt a little bit shoehorned in and a little bit too much like the, you know, like, like they're seen together in the first movie, um, that, that was almost like out of necessity because like Rob Garrison was really sick. So it was like, right. you either put him in now or like, he's probably not going to be in it. Or, you know, he's not gonna have a chance to be in it. Um, right but like you know for the most part they play the right they play all the right chords in that regard i think once we get to season three and we get to the crease flashbacks and we get to um and this is something i'm going to talk about and and here in a little bit when we get to um when we get to okinawa it's like now it's it's like almost beyond homage we're just like replaying the second movie and we don't really need to
0: yeah i gotcha i gotcha and like i am When it comes to the Okinawa stuff, this would be kind of at my, like, threshold for what I consider, what I would consider to not be perfect anymore, you know, is when when he does go over to Okinawa and stuff. And granted, he does, he has that, like, it's just like the one episode and everything, but that's, that's kind of like the line I'm drawing, you know, because you make a good point about, like, some of the shoehorning that was a little bit shoehorned in there for me and stuff. And like, I get that they tied it to this kind of business trip that Daniel was taking to try to save the company and all this stuff. He knew somebody, whatever it is, but all the other stuff was like, that was just kind of at my like, all right. So that's, if you're going to do stuff like this, this is kind of like, maybe like the last one where we go somewhere and he has an encounter or something. Mm -hmm. The, the episode with Johnny and his friends, you're right. That that dude definitely sick. He was dying. Um, he one of the episodes is dedicated to him. I think in season three, maybe. Yeah. Um, and so, like, that was like the fir- That was actually the first ever example of the show where I was like, okay, this is a solid like bottle episode. You know, where this is like the one where I they're actually like working to pump the brakes a little bit on. Yeah, the show. Yeah. Yeah and and like I, I'm cool with that I respect it I love bottle episodes I wish there are some times I wish every show could be a bottle every episode of mm-hmm. every show could be a bottle episode but that was the first time that um that I felt them manufacturing something right but they did it for a right reason so I, I'm like you know it's it's kind of like okay in my mind it's like this guy was dying and stuff and like the easily the last thing of any significance that this guy, you know, the guy didn't go leave Cobra Kai and then go star in the, the friends reunion, you know? So it was, it was done like, I guess with like good intentions and stuff. So I'm a little bit like quick to say like, okay, that, you know, that was all right. It gets a pass. Some of the other, it gets a pass. Yeah, it does get a pass. Yeah, definitely gets a pass for sure. So, um, with some of the other stuff, like the Okinawa trip, that's where I'm like, I get a little uneasy, because mm-hmm. when stuff like that starts to happen, that's like imagine like if Cobra Kai is a wall, okay? And through every episode up until the Okinawa, this wall held strong, and it's a beautiful, pristine wall that Mexico paid for, and Those are the, best walls. The, o- the best wall, the best wall, yeah, the best. best walls. No one makes them like uh, like my metaphors and stuff. So, uh, so just imagine like the seasons up until the Okinawa episode are this pristine wall. But then the Okinawa episode, like it kind of cracks the wall. It Mm -hmm. doesn't break it. It doesn't bring it down, but it cracks it and like it kind of shows vulnerability within a show when you're starting to like do stuff like this. And it's weird because like the Elizabeth shoe thing, which is sort of kind of like I guess like in principle, it's almost like the same thing, but it felt way more right you know, yes. because it's just Johnny and this love interest that he's had for a while. We've seen her in the first movie. Everybody, like every guy I know loves Elizabeth shoe. Even to this day, she's fucking fantastic. She's like, wonderful. I love, wonderful. Love seeing her and stuff. Love it. Absolutely love her. She's amazing. And, um, in the boys, everything. So like, I, um, I felt that that like little bottling worked way better than him going to ok- to, to Okinawa and stuff like that so it was cool that they paid homage in that way in a way that's i guess working a little bit harder than just hey daniel needs to go to japan to try to save his business and mm-hmm. stuff it's I, I don't know i mean like what was he going to do go to japan and not save his business like, come on, <laughs> yeah there's
1: there's and like with the the difference between reintroducing Ally mills versus kumiko um played by tamon Tamita, the same actress who played it in, in karate kid part two um like the difference is, like he knew <laughs> Daniel Russo knew knew Kumiko for like two weeks. Um, in the second movie, mm-hmm. and right. it's it's never really, and it's and and it's not the same. The Karate Kid Two is significantly more about uh, Mr. Miyagi and okay. his reasons for going back, because he's the one who goes back to Japan to settle a blood feud, and Daniel comes along with him. You know, discovers you know discovers his roots in Okinawa. Um, you know, obviously does more, does more like legitimate, like more hardcore tra- type of training kind of stuff. Um, and then discovers Kumiko and, uh, chosen, um, you know, the, that's the antagonist. Who's again, the same guy who pops up in the show. Um, it, it's, but it's not like it's it, it, like the way that those two sit in the film. It's very different from the way that Ally Mills is the, the exact driving force that's separating Johnny and Daniel in the first movie.
0: Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha for sure. Yes, you bet. There's Allie's character is a little bit more relevant to the current situation than the chosen is to
1: the current situation. The the chosen Kumiko are, which believe me, I love seeing Tamil Tamita is in a ton of stuff. She's great. Love when she pops up and things, but like just like her character didn't need to be here, basically.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I gotcha, dude, for sure. Like totally. And like there's unfortunately, like when you get into shows that are like this, or like, I mean, or even this whole idea of the the decades later sequel, there are times where it's like, they're going to pull every string that could possibly like drop some Mm -hmm. stuff down from the ceiling, you know? So I think that was, that was definitely one of those. um, Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. I like the way you put that. Yep.
0: Yeah. Believe me, that's going on my tombstone too. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, is there anything about the show that you think could be improved And what is it, and how would you make improvements upon it?
1: So, okay, so there's two things, and I'll get to, like, the most egregious thing here. Um, Something that that they did try to correct in season three uh, by going, partially, anyway, to to Okinawa. Um, So we have, like, in the first two seasons, we have this, and for that matter, the well, the movies, but it's a little bit different. But first two seasons, we have all this opining about the spiritual nature of okinawan karate and karate in general and like what it's for you know it's defense it's spiritual it's um it's not just about kicking ass right like that's not that's not the purpose of karate that's not the way daniel was taught that's not like that wouldn't be in the spirit of mr miyagi um could we have any asian people in the show to tell you this some <laughs> any actual japanese people to tell you about this instead of just a bunch of white people from southern california um so they did try to correct it like when we get we do get some some more of that um you know with the you know just like the conversations with tamil and and like the letters from miyagi um we do get a little bit more of that like sort of like the spiritual nature of Okinawan karate and then with the the fight sequence the training sequences with chozen we we get the we get like the you know like the sort of the history of karate of this type of mm-hmm. karate and like what it's used for and how it evolved and you know like the, the sort of like the sacred place that it holds it's not just about you know for us in, in the united states we go to karate dojos to keep in shape and have some fun there it's like we've been passing this down for five generations ten generations like these secret moves and stuff like it's definitely different and it's good to see like asian people actually talk and tell you about right. it <laughs> instead of hearing it secondhand from the white people
0: I know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of whiteness um, in this show for martial arts. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and then just and just real quickly here, some of the fights could be a little bit oddly enough, a little bit more violent, or I would say like physically costly, um, mm-hmm. like with a few notable suggestions, with uh, except excuse me with a few notable exceptions. Obviously, uh, Miguel getting breaking his neck. Um, Right. And some other like significant injuries. These kids basically walk away unscathed after every fight.
0: Yeah. No, you're right about that, dude. They are like fighting fucking machines and they seem to come off like basically like untouched. You know what I'm saying? And any injuries, any injuries they do have, they put a Band-Aid on, and it's fine. They're not even, like, real crazy injuries. It's not like, I mean, Dimitri had his shoulder, Miguel in his neck. But, like, with all the other fighting going on, you would think that somebody out there would sustain something that would prevent them right. from continuing I to fight.
1: I Just like, real quick, like, if I kicked, Ralph Machio is, like, almost 60. If I kicked Ralph Machio square in the chest, he'd be feeling mad for about a month.
0: Right. Oh, yeah, dude, you don't blitter. You'd, you'd kick him in the chest. He'd lose an arm. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, that's,
1: right.
0: just, that's just how it is for sure. Right. And my I'm glad you brought this up, because the one thing I got a problem with is, is the fighting. Like, I got I got problems with it. Like, you brought up a really good point about the, the violence element and stuff like that. I got a I got a problem which I which you make a really good point there and I'm completely agreeing with you. And I got a problem with like the frequency of the fighting and stuff it's like that. Little, a,
1: it's a little much. Yeah, there's a
0: little there's a lot of fucking fighting in this. And I I'm correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm if I'm going down the wrong hole here, but like I think they cranked it through the roof on season yes. three too. I yep. mean, you got like and I think it's in like episode one or two, LaRusso and Johnny are fighting a guy in a body shop and stuff. Yes. And and I'm like, OK, guys, now I realize that karate is part of the show. But like, are you just trying to turn this into a teenage show and there's some adult characters and it just happens to have fights in it, too? Yeah. So I think that they could use the fights a, a little bit better and to be more effective. And stuff, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I agree. Now, that. now that means that they're going to have to, like, make up for like make up for lost time or whatever. So like, we're going to need something to fill that space. And the only thing I could think of that they could do to kind of free up some time would maybe to start a little bit of some development into Johnny. I know that we've got some information, but I think maybe a light sprinkling of like a flashback storyline, something like that, that kind of maybe highlights some, some significant, some significant events in his life after losing to um, Daniel in the first Mm -hmm. movie Getting a little bit more about him may cut into the overall amount of screen time. I mean, it's going to cut into the overall amount of screen time, and that may may free up some opportunities for them to learn how to use these fights a little bit more effective. Because you know, in the first the first um, season and stuff, it, the first season's like uh, it's awesome. I absolutely love the first mm-hmm. season. You get a good solid lay of the land. There's some fighting in there. It's entertaining. We get the characters. Season two it's a a little bit different. It ends with a really cool fight scene and stuff that was just, just fucking awesome. And then when you get to season three, it's almost like they found out that they're sitting on something valuable. And it's like, now we need, now we got the audience. Now we got some money. Maybe we got some extensions talking here. What the hell do we do? And it, it kind of just like, it reeks of these like kind of moves that are made whenever TV shows become legitimate and stuff, you know, like they're just like after basically after like season two or after season three, like, you know, shows kind of start to take on like a whole new identity. And Mm -hmm. I've heard stuff like ranging all the way from like season three is when they really make the decision on how far they want to take the show. What There's whatever like possible like conspiracy theory for this reasoning I could possibly throw out there. And like, I just feel like now that we've gotten to season three, the, some of the use of the fighting er, might actually take away from what the show is actually all Mm -hmm. about. And I'm not going to lie. Like some of these fights are cool, but it's not like watching the raid or anything like that. If I want fights, like that's the kind of fights I want to watch in movies and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I don't think that I think that if the show becomes more of, Hey, high school with karate, it's, it's just going to take away from the overall product and stuff. And I don't want the, the writers of the show. And even like whoever's making the decisions to become distracted by this karate element and stuff and people loving fighting and everything. Cause it's only going to go so far. You can only do, you can only really take these kind of fights with the kids and the karate to a certain level. At some point in time there is going to be a plateau where they can no longer really top themselves. So like I think they need to start scaling things back a little bit to maybe save for some kind of bigger thing in the end, some bigger all out brawl that they end the show on or whatever, as if there wasn't an all out brawl already.
1: Right. Right. No, it's, it's sort of, I, I want to do a quick comparison to, to Entourage that okay. I, I know we mentioned this before. The early seasons of Entourage to me are in, are superior in many, many ways. And it's mm-hmm. because, like the the, the premise, uh, the uh, the premise of Entourage is about someone trying to make it to the top, and that is always more interesting than a story about people at the top. And yes, the first season and even part of the second season of this show is about about Miguel and some of the other kids starting from the bottom and making it to the top. And now that they're at the top, where do you go from there?
0: That's right. Yeah, that's that's a really good comparison with Entourage and you make a great point there because it's a hundred percent true. Like you can't have somebody rise too quickly because whenever they get to the top, there's nowhere else to go, you know? And mm. and then you and then you will fall into what happened with Entourage where it's like, All right, let's make Vince really edgy one year. Like what if there's just like one year out of nowhere, Vince starts doing Coke? You know what I'm saying? Like right. that's how you set yourself up for that kind of stuff, because the only way you could really take the character from being on top of the world is all the way back down again. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all of a sudden like Vince in one season, one and a half seasons, whatever goes from being addicted to drugs and, you know, dating Sasha gray and just a nuance in the industry to yeah, great. He's uh you know, he's on top of the world again, just like that. Right. right, Yeah, no, for sure. Characters and their, and their growth and everything like that. It's that's definitely important. And how shows time out a character's rise to the top is vital to the the success and the future of the show,
1: for sure. And especially, and this is this is more of a, a symptom of modern modern TV, especially because of the streaming services. St- shows now are all story. The story has to be driven forward every single minute. Whereas mm-hmm. going, you know, just thinking about last year when I did my when I did my first first full watch of Lost, there are episodes where nothing happens. Where right. it has nothing to do with anything, and it's and some of those episodes are the best episodes of Lost. When yeah. there when there is nothing, I shouldn't say nothing at stake, but the story of Lost is sort of taking a backseat to some mythology, to some other stuff. It's just we're just gonna fill in some other stuff that's happening, and those are some of the best episodes of Lost. But be- yeah, dude, but because TV totally. shows don't get 20 episodes anymore, those those episodes like don't exist in TV.
0: Yeah, I know, man. Like the the example that I always go to with losses, there's this it's the very very first episode where Daniel Faraday is the central character and we live in his mm-hmm. flashbacks and stuff. I remember like this is when I was total I was a losty or whatever they lost or whatever they call themselves or whatever we call ourselves. I should say Um, I would this was in full gear, full throttle for me. Right. And like I I remember like in the previews for the, the next week, the little snips you saw, you didn't really get that much about the episode. Just basically a montage of a couple clips and everything. And I was so like I remember like. You pick now to pick on, to focus on Daniel Faraday? I was so mm-hmm. mad. I was like, what are they doing here? What the fuck are they doing? And then by the end of the episode, I was like, this is fucking amazing. I don't know why every episode of Lost can't be like this. Right. Because they they, they yep. answered a lot of questions, and um, they, whatever questions they, they didn't answer, they kind of pointed in the directions to either get resolution or to add another mystery element onto it. It was fucking awesome. It was so good. Yep. and. Like, and yeah, and that's like, that's an effective use of like pumping the brakes on a story and everything like that. Like, why move a story forward when you can give the audience information that they've been dying to get for so long now? And it's amazing because they still didn't answer every question about the show. The, st- the show <laughs> right. itself didn't answer every question. about right. the
2: show.
0: <laughs> right. So, yeah, dude, totally, totally on board with you on that. So to round out this section, just a quick one, speaking of the future of Cobra Kai. How long are we getting out of this? How many more seasons?
1: I I would. How, how many more do I want, and how many more are coming is are two different things. I would True. I would love one one perfect final season to wrap everything up, and with you know be it whether it's ten episodes or if they tack on a couple more, um, that's fine. I am totally fine with that. Probably it, I guarantee it'll at least get two, maybe even three more, and that'll be probably one or two too many.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm um, I'm in with you on what I think one other season. This show could be wrapped up and be wrapped up perfectly and be one of those shows that um, never really got bad, never got jumped, never jumped the shark. Yeah. They just did four, ended on a out and called it quits. However, money talks Mm -hmm. and i know like i'm pretty much guaranteeing season five like i know they're casting for season four in atlanta right now um so season five is definitely i think in the picture and i hope not i honest to god hope not but once again knowing money and everything season six might be in the somewhere in the mix too Mm -hmm.
1: and there's just it's one of those things with like especially when you cast characters or you have a lot of cast of characters that are all like High school aged? How long are they going to be high schoolers? Yeah, that's right. And then, yeah. are we, so are, they, are we going to do Miguel goes to college, like, like Say by the Bell? Um, no, that's going to be no. fucking awful. Um, it, it's like they can only be teenagers for so long. They can only be in this storyline for so long, and then you got to move on. Like, if you know, if we want to, if we want to do like, if that's like the final, some of the final shots, like, you know, the the of the of the fourth season, like the kids. In college, the kids doing stuff away, you know, either with each other or not with, doesn't really matter. That's fine. I don't need to, I don't need, we don't need to expand the story any farther than that.
0: Right. Yeah, dude. Like, it, Saved by the Bell is a great point because as soon as they got out of high school, the show just, it was just not the same. Granted, it was cool. Bob Golick and everything. Was good I was going to say, we could bring Bob Golick in. <laughs> right. <laughs> he could be the guy down the hall. The the same, the exact same part. Mike, yep. the, uh, the RA or whatever. And um, so whenever, and it, it's like this with everything, though. It's the same thing with the OC. It's Beverly Hills 90210. It's all these teen shows. The minute that they get out of high school and they start to go to college, the show just it fizzles out. They're not able to hold the same kind of drama, the same kind of energy, whatever it is, it's just not there. So yeah, man, I, um, I'm really hoping that they, that they do this right. You know, there's nothing that would really fuck this up more than carrying it on longer than it has to, for sure. All right, man. So the next section here is a really quick one. It's just some best ofs. We always got to throw in um, some acknowledge, oh, acknowledgements at uh, the best ofs. All right, so started off. Which um, best season of the show?
1: It, for me, it's season one. Uh, season one, I loved seeing like the progression of literally. Like, I love. I'm a sucker for like a good training montage, and the fact that we got essentially what amounts to a season long training montage <laughs> was great. Um, but like also like the progression of Johnny Lawrence himself, Johnny Lawrence's relationship with Miguel and everyone else around him. Um, you know, and, and how, and how Johnny Lawrence figures out that in his own very, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say regressive, but like in his own sort of old school way can still be a positive influence in someone's life instead of a negative influence. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's like a fun thing to watch in that first season.
0: Right, dude. Like I'm in the same boat, the first season for me all the way. And like, I, you're right. All the stuff with him, like, Hey man, what are you going to do? Be a pussy, be a badass, you know, like right. stuff like that. in his own Johnny Lawrence way giving Miguel confidence, teaching him to be like, you know, that he could be something more than himself and stuff like that. You know, those were really, really enjoyable. Season one is also like, that's when this whole thing felt like the freshest to me. Mm-hmm. I I know once again, we are basically like when it comes to a story, we're watching a story that's been told a bunch of times over, but man, it just like really felt like something new to me. I was like, man, this is awesome. Like, it's just such a cool take on, um, these, further down the road kind of sequels and continuations of stories. I thought this was awesome. And I was like, this is how it should be done. So anybody who is like planning on bringing back the Goonies 30 years later or whatever it is, 30 years later, this is like the model to season one is like the model of how to take a movie to a TV show.
1: I watched, um, uh, Picard is like that. Yeah. And, Well I mean it's first off it's a gorgeous show like it, it looks really great for a TV show. Um, but like they actually go they actually go too far the opposite direction where this story does not feel at all like any of the stories that I that I that I loved watching in Star Trek the Next Generation but they really? still bring characters datas in it um you could you can kind of meld Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek the Next Generation together. Um, there you know there was like this whole point in time when like they were, there were there's like a whole bunch of shows from that period that were going out at mm-hmm. the same time. So they, there's some Star Trek Voyager characters that pop up too. but like it's weird it just doesn't feel they're, they're not actually this is the criticism from for all the current Star Trek shows. they just don't feel like they take place in that in any of those previous universes.
0: I got you, dude. and that's really unfortunate because something especially with something like Star Trek that has a hardcore fan base, it's really got to be a letdown to, like, hardcore Trekkies out there, you know? I yeah. mean, I, I'm, su- I'm sure the shows do offer something, some value of entertainment and everything. Oh, they're, but they're like not – they're
1: you- definitely – I mean, like, they're solid, but, like, especially the, the one that Sonequa Martin-Green is in, takes – that one – well, for the most part, it takes place before uh, before the, the, the original series, and it, like – Yeah. It's, it's just a little bit – it just feels off. Like it, and not and obviously the technology and stuff. That's a whole different thing, but like the mood and the atmosphere are so much darker than the original series. The mood and the atmosphere in Picard is significantly darker than anything that happened in Star Trek: The Next Generation.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, that's got to be, like, a modern audience thing. People sure. love the dark shit nowadays. Like, even even something that is remotely, like, happy or some, something that – not remotely, but even something that is, like, totally happy almost, like, has to have a dark side to it in some way, shape, or form. Like, hey, this is a feel-good k- kids show. And, by the way, the older brother of this family is a total cokehead and does prostitutes, right. which we're right. only going to touch on in a little time. Right. Stuff, you know? and th- Yeah, I mean, like, that's – um. <laughs> When it's something like that, I, I can understand how that could be like, that That could be very, very disappointing and how like, especially like with fans, like st- with Star Trek fans and everything being as, as animated and as passionate as they are. I mean that's just got there's just got to be people out there that are just like what the hell is this like this isn't Star Trek like mm-hmm. this is almost like the same way when people had the reaction to um the last jedi and stuff like that yeah. like oh my god this is a star wars you know so but um but yeah so okay dude very good season 1 fantastic what is the um the best fight scene
1: I mean I'm going to leave this out because the rumble in West Valley is just fucking awesome. Um, Yeah. I mean, it really is like, but just between like going back to how Gareth Evans shot the raid and Mm -hmm. how it was like frenetic, but like we got to enjoy all of the the stuff that was happening at the same time. They, there's a little bit of that DNA in this fight where like a lot is going on. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fast movement and motion, but like the camera doesn't like cut away or turn away to fake, to fake that sort of quick movingness. Like these kids are doing a hell of a job in that fight. They are really doing a great job in that fight. So I, I mean, I think I'm going to go ahead and put that in its own. That's its own fucking category. The rumble of West Valley. Um, Mm -hmm. Agree or disagree there. Just.
0: I agree with you. This is my excuse to talk about this really quick. I love that fight scene. Um, the whole thing with the camera and like, especially it was just like a single can. It felt like they were, we were really in some of those shots for a long time. And it just, it made me remind, it was just a great reminder of like why there are sometimes you just don't need a bunch of fucking cuts yeah. And I always go back to this like this is nothing original here, but I go back to this um, fight scene from Marvel's Iron Fist. And this got a little bit of a write up and there was a, some traction about this particular thing I'm going to mention when um, this was back in like 2015, 2016 when Iron Fist came out. And like there's this article that's like, dude, there is like 200 plus cuts or something, 300 plus cuts in a it. 45 second long fight scene or something like that. And I mean, when you see it, I mean, it's, you know, which one they're talking about, like without even like actually reading the article, it's just so disorienting. It's just like, my God, like this is just somebody who either, you know, like has no idea how to film a fight scene or just wanted to, or just thought going all out was like the best idea possible. And it just blew up in their face. And the fight scene at the high school was just a great reminder of like, Man, just let us stay in the shot sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There does you don't have to cut to from a punch to a face or whatever every single time. Just let the camera just let the camera take a break and stuff like that. And it was great to see um, the camera following and different around the different hallways and stuff. I mean, it was awesome. So um, I wanted to talk about that. You're entirely right. It's a whole other fucking fight category on its own. But so, which one do you have?
1: Um, yeah, so that's its own category. But for sure, it's and also like there's instead of cutting there's a couple of times in that fight in the hallway where they just turn and like yeah. here's the other fight that's happening right, right. behind yep. them and like you didn't I need know. to cut to it it looks great when you do that it gives you that it gives you that sort of feel that you're in the fight the same way that gareth evans did with the raid and the raid 2 where you felt like you're in the middle of an action sequence um yeah dude definitely yeah, Oh, yeah. well,
0: I was just going to say, like, yeah, they, they definitely there's all these cool things where you're, like, one person, like, will punch somebody. That person lands on the ground. The camera turns, starts a whole new fight scene. They did a really great job of, like, uh, inversing people coming towards the camera, turning people going away from the camera. It, was just, it flowed amazingly.
1: Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I really, really enjoyed the first, like, hard fight that Miguel had against that kid Xander in the All okay. Valley. And mm-hmm. I I love it because it's just the, the beginning of the fight is when Johnny leans over to him and says, kick that asshole in the face for me. Yeah. <laughs> after, he, after he gives the speech about equality and inclusivity and praying right. for peace and like a, a cleaner environment, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, okay. Like, like, listen, this is stuff that we all want. This isn't the time or place. And to, to have someone like, you know, to have like, you know, an old school person like Johnny sitting there listening to it, just getting sick of it. And like, yeah. Hey Miguel, go kick him in the face. And he does. And it's fantastic. Right. And also that's just yeah, a really, dude. it's also just a really good fight. Like those, I, I, again, I can't heap enough praise on to the, the kids themselves and whoever is teaching them and, and choreographing and choreographing the fighting. It just, it all looks great. It all looks really great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude, I love that line. It's so reminiscent of like just – you you know, like we're playing youth sports and everything like that and your coach just like walks up and just says, fucking plant that asshole. Like I don't even care if you get kicked out. You know, you're, you're just basically like the coach is just so agitated by that person. He wants you to take care of it. And watching an old man be so agitated at like a kid where he's just like go out there and hurt that guy is just a classic moment. Yeah. Dude, you will never yeah. get anything more memorable than your coach just telling you to go out there and plant somebody. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know. So what is the, um, what do you think is the best Johnny Lawrence moment?
1: I, you know, I have two here and neither of them involve fighting. Um, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy the fantasy sex sequence with Carmen. Um, Mm -hmm. because it's so stupidly something that he would be dreaming about getting the corps banquets poured all over him, doing sexy karate with her. Um, it's, it's such like, and obviously the music in the background, it's such a, and it's such a nice touch. Cause it feels like that feels like something pulled straight out of like a weird, out of like weird science or some other eighties, mm-hmm. like teen fantasy movie. Yeah, I gotcha. Yep, definitely. And then just real quickly, he and Miguel trying to take pictures for his Facebook. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> just so like, I'm like, yep. You're hitting all the classics. You got the angel wings, he's eating food and laughing and the, like, it's, it's supposed to be like it's simultaneously supposed to be helping them out, but it's also like, Hey, look how stupid this is. Do you know how stupid you people look on social media when you do this? Cause you look really stupid. Yep.
0: Oh yeah, definitely dude. Yeah. Those like the angel wings is like, it's something that's all over the city. It's like the CLE sign. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes. That they have all over Cleveland. So out here in LA and just randomly there will be, angel wings or wings tattooed on buildings i there's like a building by us that has angel wings and bat wings on it so it's it's just all over it's in random places it's like i'm pretty positive that somewhere in my social media i have a photo of the angel wings and stuff it's
1: it's all the all the hip cities um have them like they're like sets of wings like all over nashville that you can go take pictures at same with austin like they're fucking everywhere
0: Okay. Okay. Good to know because I thought that was something specific to LA, being the city of angels and everything. But uh, looks like we're just copying everybody else's. LA <laughs> usually does. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, dude. Like that um, that stuff right there with the Facebook is is great. And just the fact that he's only got like a handful of pictures that he keeps in a shoebox, and it's these pictures of him that are almost like glamorous Teen Bob magazine shots. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there's there's not like a picture of like him with his mom. It's just a picture of like young. William Zabka like looking Shirtless. Hot, leaning up against <laughs> the wall with a shirt off. He's fucking know? jacked
1: by the way. At about probably age 20 there.
0: Oh god, yeah. I was like I was like Jesus Christ dude that dude is ripped. Like I I I'm like I don't remember this in the original Karate Kid. Like where the hell did this come from? I, I
1: like I <laughs> but, guess uh, I, I was I was listening to I was listening to a podcast um about the first season recently. And they were like this is something obviously that like you and I would not play, because like we were born <laughs> when this movie came out right. essentially. But also, even like years later, like it wouldn't have like we wouldn't have like realized it at the time. But like this is, like take your two like teen heartthrobs now. That was Ralph Macchio and, and William Zabka in nineteen eighty
0: four. Yeah, that's right, that's right, and that's dude. That's even crazier to think that like Ralph Macchio was a teen heart. He was, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like. I guess, like, when, you know, and you could say that about a lot of, like, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like, when you see him now, it's like, wow, like, people thought Jonathan Taylor Thomas was so hot back in the day, and it's like, I'm better looking than Jonathan Taylor Thomas (laughs) right right now, (laughs) and uh, so, like, it's just really crazy that, you know, like, The what people and like what you will find, like, you know, as attractive as a kid and just even the the idea of those magazines, which are just it's not like it's, you know, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like they're shirtless, like holding a plant or something. It's just like him in a T-shirt, you know, with his head on his with his head, like braced up against his arm and stuff like, oh, what is he thinking today? Like all that kind of shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. All right, man. And so, yeah, my, my favorite moment. I'm um, really quick. Oh yeah, go ahead. Um, I, even though I was knocking it, knocking the situation earlier, the whole thing with the D. Snyder concert was just too was just too great. Like it, them going into this this room with a bag full of beers, Budweisers no less. It wasn't even the Coors Banquet, but they got a duffel bag into this concert space, which clearly built for television. Like they oh, like, yes. am not making an attempt to go with any realism behind this whatsoever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. they didn't just sneak him into like the whiskey a go-go or something like that. It was just like warehouse convert warehouse with a stage built. Yep. And it's just, and it's just this dude and Miguel rocking out to twisted sister and Miguel in the wheelchair rocking out to twisted sister. I'm like, man, I'm telling you like just to be that young and to like, know that you could be that happy about even seeing twisted sister. It just reminds me about like what it felt like to be that young and that naive and just being so happy mm-hmm. to like be out of your house and, and doing anything other than being in your house, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, I do love, love that moment. So, all right, man, we're going to move along into the last, the last section of this, um, of this discussion here, which I got to start off by um, going, I want to go over this whole thing that we'll get into the, the thought exercise. So, all right. So around the time that I'm watching Cobra Kai, and I'm going to explain the reason why I kind of wanted to get into this, there was this a series of articles that dropped that covered a rise in the sales of chess boards. And they attribute this to the Queen's Gambit being on Netflix. And they have started, and there's this now coined a term going around called the Netflix effect,
1: which, which uh, I think you're I, using incorrectly, by the way, I'm going to let you know this okay. now before. Yeah.
0: Right. Go ahead. Because
1: I've see, I've seen the article that, um,
0: okay. I've seen a Netflix effect article that is more about how Netflix is affecting the actual industry.
1: There's, than... a, there's, a, there's
0: two books about it. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So what I, you know, based on so what I'm getting here, when I even yeah, put yeah. this question down, is like, I don't even, is number one, this is just fucking what happens, right? Like anytime something's popular, people are always going to yes. be getting into it. I, I don't fucking feel that, um, and I'm going to go right into this part too, I don't even fucking feel that this is even worthy of the discussion. And if people are <laughs> going to quote unquote call a Netflix effect, they should be talking about this article that I read, which is like, hey, by the way, Netflix is kicking ass. And hey, by the way, tenant, you lost a hundred million dollars. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. This is like the kind of stuff that I feel. Exactly. People should be focusing on when they're talking about the Netflix effect. Yes. I don't give a shit about chessboards. <laughs> Anybody who bought those chessboards, the minute that the pandemic is over with, those things are going to be being sold at half the they're cost be of a like closet. garage sales across America. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's what I wanted to get into okay. this whole question. Like, I, I'm sorry I couldn't really convey it the right way on the page. And I was stuff like, that. yeah, so I was I, really I just,
1: curious where you're going with this because this <laughs> didn't seem like a sort of like you kind of thing. But like, you're exactly right. This like this idea of the Netflix effect. There is a Netflix effect, and it does have it does have to do with the way we consume media. You know how Netflix popularized the binge model, um, and it has mm-hmm. to do with how the the industry is trying to how traditional media industries are trying to adapt to this model. Right. Um, and, you know, how shows now, you know, shows on, on network TV are trying to streamline themselves in the same way that Netflix has very streamlined shows because Netflix gets instant user data. They get data that like, you know, like just an over the air, like an NCIS, that type of show. They don't, they don't get the same user data back that, right. That, uh, that Netflix gets so the netflix effect is really about that um specifically and you can even extend it to sort of how how netflix uses that data to then go okay users loved this and this so why don't we put um millie bobby brown in an original movie with um i don't know anthony mackie and then we'll make it about this that's also the netflix effect uh yeah because they exactly. can literally take data and say that a plus B equals C let's make a C movie. Then um, the, like the Queens gambit thing, it was funny. Cause I, I remember reading some of these articles and like they're like um, one of the articles cited like an 1100% increase in um, chess sales from this one mm-hmm. website. And I'm like, Oh good. So they went from selling 10 a year to 1100 a year. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's, that's like, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's a thousand percent increase. So like, it's like okay fine but it's like you said people have i am sure people have already forgotten about not that the queen's game i still haven't watched it yet but i'm I'm sure it's fine i like andy tiller joy um i'm sure she's great in it but like i'm sure people have already forgotten about that show
0: right exactly and with the way netflix is like I'm,
1: i'm sorry but shows are a little bit
0: they have a tendency to be a little bit more forgivable when you're being fed new fucking content every single week. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. and that the queen's gambit might be, this is not a knock on the writers or anything. The queen's gambit might be the greatest freaking show ever. It might be the definitive thing piece of media on chess, but unfortunately this show is (laughs) as great as it is. It's just a drop in the bucket of a net of a Netflix production schedule. And When they're releasing uh, this year alone is like Zack Snyder's got a movie coming out with them. Um, The the Rock is going to be in a movie and stuff like that. So, I mean, they're putting out some real fucking firepower here and real star power. And like it's getting to the point with 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 certain Netflix properties, not with everything, but with certain ones. I will wrap up watching it. And then, like two weeks later, I will have forgotten that I've actually watched that show, mm-hmm. just because it's already that far in my behind me. You know, we've seen two other shows since then.
1: Right, right, exactly. There's it's there's something to be said about um, what Amazon and it's <clears throat> Amazon and someone else does it too. Um, I think Hulu does it too. The the drip model of you yeah. know dropping two or three episodes and then. HBO Max has it too dropping two or three episodes and then you drop one at a time after that Mm -hmm. there's something to be said about that drip model because I those shows stick with me just I mean just essentially the regular model of how we used to watch TV sticks with me much more than cramming eight episodes into a weekend Oh, definitely, dude. And we've talked about this
0: before. And like, I, I'll be the first one to say it. Like, when it came to the boys, I watched every episode twice, maybe even two and a half times, because yep. I had that that week in between. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, if I was binge watching it. Like, cause the first season of the boys was just dropped all like at once and stuff like that. If I were to buzz through that in a, in a week and then all of a sudden, like I have to wait a whole other year for the show, I am ju- not going to get the same enjoyment of it because I'm not, a, I don't, I'm not developing the same kind of relationship with the show as I am where, okay, yeah, I just watched the, the, the Friday episode Saturday. I'm going to watch it again. Sunday I'll probably read up about a bunch of it and then wait for the next one, like a regular normal fucking television watching cycle <laughs> <Right>. and stuff, <laughs> you know, right. And, and like, yeah, you're right, dude. Like I, I'm glad that I was able to articulate this verbally because I couldn't even imagine like when you're like, what the hell is this supposed to be like? on an album? I don't even know how to like write I that just, question yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Like I would uh, just kind of thought I'd roll with it. And it just, it just kind of becomes infuriating at times. And I know that it's not going to stop and it's definitely showing no signs of letting up at any point in time soon. But I just think that there are some times where <clears throat> People really focus in on the wrong kind of shit. And the, this whole stupid story is just one that I think we could have done without. I don't need to know about the chess boards. We have way too much going on in the world and stuff like that. And I don't think that people are really embracing the reality of what is actually going on here where it's just, you know, people don't have anything to do because of pandemic. They see a really, really great show. Mm-hmm. They decide to go out and spend $25 on a chess board and stuff. And then once they get it and realize that chess is actually pretty hard and nowhere near <laughs> as easy as I'm sure the checkers. TV show makes it look. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. It's not checkers, buddy. Like they're, Right, right. They're going to they're going to freaking lose interest in it and stuff. And like it's I mean, it's great for that company that they made sales. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, Netflix is at least giving the opportunity for people to maybe experience something new. There's really nothing wrong in that. But where I do think the the line needs to be drawn is this isn't worth a lot of media coverage. And if you're going to be focusing on stuff that Netflix is doing to the industry, chessboards is not the thing that we should be <laughs> focusing on. You know, I'm, and even though we talked about, you mentioned some really great and very like insightful things about like you know this Netflix effect. I'm pretty sure that there's probably a bunch of fucking muckracking stuff that Netflix is doing. Why don't you look into that? You know, let's, hey, yeah.
2: Let's,
0: like we don't. I get enough. Um, between following like george conway and a couple other people i get enough corgi videos and cat videos and jess sends me photos of our cats all the time i get enough enlightened through animals doing stupid shit i don't need to have like feel good stories about a chess chess board company selling a bunch of chess boards i just i i I guess like that is like my line and i was when all this stuff happened and this was a big um when this like little it wasn't big but i mean when this whole little kind of thing broke you know six eight weeks ago whatever the the time period was i was just a this was like one thing for some stupid reason that just like really like enraged me i'm like who the fuck cares about this this is fucking stupid like i was like actually mad about it
1: no i i i get you i i I really believe me i totally get you on that it is a stupid it's just you're right if honestly i like I wonder. I don't want to get too far into this because I want to get back to your original question to where you're going to go with this. But like, how many shows, like The Queen's Gambit, which I'm sure was totally fine. Like, I do not I'm not taking anything away about the anything you know about the quality of the show away. But like, Tiger King was huge. Queen's Gambit right. was huge. How many of these shows would have been that big if there wasn't a pandemic?
0: that's ex- that's exactly correct yeah that's exactly right there's there are people out there who have pr- pretty much watched everything that netflix could offer which they wouldn't normally be doing yep if it that's what i've been doing going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> right oh man yeah i've, I've been doing the stupid thing and buying stuff and spending money to keep myself occupied and stuff we just bought a new uh we just bought a new camera for the production company thing mm-hmm. and stuff so i've been learning that um the only real shows i've been i've been it's i've been watching the show man seeking woman that came out like about five six years ago something like that it's taken me this 30 episodes of the show i'm on three weeks of watching it because i just haven't had the time right (laughs) and i need to watch i need to watch more tv okay so anyway i'm gonna pull out pull out of that one and get back to where i was originally going which is the big thought exercise portion of the episode where we just assume that the netflix effect causes a rise in interests in martial arts okay and uh, but before we get into this whole thing I um, I just want to ask you I can't remember if we I, we might have gotten into this I can't remember specifically but have you ever have you ever taken a martial arts class or done I, any kind of organized no, martial arting I have
1: not never did and I kind of in hindsight how popular martial arts is now between TV shows and things but also like hey UFC is pretty fucking popular um kind of really regret that I never did but no I never did.
0: Okay, yeah, I I couldn't remember. I, that's I couldn't remember because I, I know we got into this in the uh, in the fitness episode and stuff like that. And I that's what I thought you said. I couldn't. I, I anyway, that's what I thought. Glad for the refresher. Thank you very much. Mm. I I actually um, I did one time. I took martial arts uh, for a year. I took Taekwondo. Oh. and, and um, you would know where the where I took it. It's so if you go down, I think it's Shepherd Road at the intersection of Shepherd Road. And, um, route 82, there used to be, it's rebuilt now, but it used to be like a very small, like YMCA type thing. It was almost like just, it was basically almost like a house that was the the Macedonia YMCA. And, um, then it got rebuilt. They had the weight room and the basketball court and all that stuff in it now. But back in the day, that used to be a really small building. And, um, inside of it, they had like, it was just like the basement. There was nothing in there and it was a karate studio And I took uh, Taekwondo there and there was the sensei was a sensei Jim. He was a really cool like kind of nice guy and everything. Um, I, this was during my um, more plumpier times, I guess I was, this was probably like when I was one of my heaviest (laughs) ever as a kid, Um, only to be succeeded the next year by the heaviest as I was as a kid, the following year. But um, I long story short, dude, like just, I didn't get the full experience out of it. A lot of this is definitely rooted in heavyset kid confidence issues and stuff like that. Sure. And not only, and also being completely out of shape and not actually being able to do a lot of the stuff that sensei Jim was doing so easily. But, um, it was definitely cool to kind of like see, and experience this, you know, I mean, I, I guess like, obviously, it's something that I, I don't really know how to anything about, that much about anymore, because I would get my ass kicked in just about any fight. But um, it was cool to like, you know, at least say that, like, I had taken martial arts at one point in time, just just to, just, to, just just hey, hey, I that's, that's for some street was, cred like, there. You know? Not a lot of people do it. Yeah, you know, so if I ever was in South Central Los Angeles wearing my suit of $100 bills, somebody comes up to me like, dude, I had one year of Taekwondo, you sure you want to fuck with this? And then I'm easily shot to the head. <laughs> so, but uh, another really interesting thing, um, I took, I was, I had one class, I took one class where um, I was actually in Chanel's junior wrestling program for like a day when I was a kid, um, and I was basically taken to chanel high school as a very heavy set uh 10 or 11 year old to get into their junior wrestling program And mom's like dude these wrestlers got like a pretty good workout and stuff right i was getting my ass kicked yep. all of 10 minutes into that thing because <laughs> all, all they were doing for, was running laps around the school and stuff like that and it's like hey we're gonna run laps just start running and i'll see you in a half an hour and it's like All right. And then 10 minutes into it, I was fried. I did not last long in Chanel's junior wrestling.
1: I I was going to say, I I, I tried wrestling in middle school and found out right then and there that I was not man enough for it. Um, That I'm like, I'm I'm sorry, we got to run for 40 minutes and then just run for 40 minutes. And then we have to essentially lift each other up for the next hour and throw each other all over the place. I don't think I have enough stamina for this. I'm out.
0: Yep. Nope. I, I hear you on that one. That was, it was totally, totally not for me, dude. And like then after we're done, I don't even get to eat my favorite foods yep, kind of to a, a reward for, <laughs> right. And get ready. You're going to be starving yourself all week, too. And wear these plastic bags when you sleep. So, <laughs> all right. So I i wanted to touch base on that, like, um, just to kind of get a little bit of some personal experience in there before we jump into the heart of it all, which we are at now. So, all right. So with this rise in interest in martial arts, there's a sudden demand across Northeast Ohio. And we're going to stick with Northeast Ohio because – I will guarantee you there is zero shortage of karate dojos in Southern California. Okay, like oh I, my for neighborhood, sure. I, my neighborhood has one, and we only have ten, we live like between five and ten thousand people living in my section of the city. There's a karate dojo here, and then there's like four other ones in a, in a two mile radius. I mean, so we there's,
1: have no there's like shortage a, of them. There's a small handful just in Twinsburg, so I have to imagine there's a very large handful just around you yeah
0: oh that's a very very large handful indeed that's for sure and you're right twinsburg they did have a surprisingly large amount of uh martial arts studios and
1: there's one here i was i was curious i was looking it up not sure when i had i would have any time to do an adult karate (laughs) at this point in time but there's one that like they have like all sorts of like you know uh, you know levels and one of them is weapons training so like really this is like a really (laughs) this dojo does like a lot of shit and it's like right and it's I think it's um, I think it's on like I think it's on eighty two. Is like you're entering Twinsburg from Macedonia, um, along, okay, like okay. one of those sides, like the strip malls or not the strip malls, but like by the industrial stuff.
0: I gotcha. Very interesting. I'm gonna ask you one quick question. Like if you if you know the answer, it's it's cool. You don't have to mull on this. But um, when I was growing up on Route eighty two, but going in from Northfield into Sagamore, like right by Quick Check they built this brand new building and it was huge. And when it first opened, it was a karate dojo. This would be, I would think if you're going West on 82, this would be about a quarter mile to a half a mile, basically between the insurance company and the one really shitty bar over there that 82 and eight, I think is the name Mm -hmm. of it basically between 82 and eight and quick check. Do you, do you, are you aware of, Did you ever like see this building or any, is they had a huge like karate dojo logo on the side of the building and stuff? Uh,
1: I think it might still be there. Okay. I I was, I was, I went down to Brexville not that long ago, so I think it might still be there. Okay, when I'm going to find
0: out whenever I like, you know, whenever I fly back home and stuff, I'm going to specifically drive by this because I've been wondering about this ever since I, I wrote up the outline and stuff. And it was just a really weird place, number one, to build a brand new karate dojo, like it'd be a huge new building at the time, and uh, for for karate dojo standards anyway. And to hear that um, this thing has sustained longevity, it makes me happy. Fucking mm. uh, farmer boy didn't even last that long. <laughs> <laughs> Something <Right>. else now. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, so. With this rise in martial arts studios and by the way you have just decided to open up your own dojo and to make things easier you've come into a fuck ton of money in the process and you are able to go all out with your martial arts studio. So I'm just going to ask you all the all the questions at once. So what do you name your dojo? What's your logo? What Northeast Ohio strip mall slash shopping center are you going into? Um, who is your sensei? And what kind of martial arts do they teach?
1: All right. So <clears throat> I, I, my, the name has an explanation. The name of my dojo has a quote behind it from a TV show that I'm going to recommend when I get done with the quote. It's a little bit long, but uh, the name of my dojo is the White Mountain Dojo. And here's why it's called the White Mountain Dojo. This character is talking to another character about um, this gang that he crossed. The gang's called the Fung Hai. Let me tell you something about the Fung Hai. They believe they're direct descendants of Genghis Khan. You know, the Mongols, right? The biggest empire in history. The Mongols. They came riding out of the plains like demons, pillaging whole cities. The Chinese need to know their enemy, so the emperor sends his scouts out to the Mongolian plains. They get out there, and in the distance, they see this white mountain rising up where no mountain should be. They get closer to this mountain, and you know what they find? Bones. An entire mountain of bones. Hundreds of thousands of skeletons just rotting in a fucking pile. That's when they understood what they were dealing with. By dojo is the white mountain dojo. Um, that's what you're fucking dealing with. So... It's just like a, it's a real simple, the mountain's just basically going to be kind of a real simple, maybe even just like a triangular, uh, white logo, white triangular logo, but it's going to be over top of like a blood red striped sun. (laughs) Nice. Um, The strip, you know, as I was thinking about this strip mall thing, I'm going to put this, I'm going to find an area in Cleveland, in suburban Cleveland, where we got a lot of good athletes. Um, Bigger area, some bigger, you know, kids that would otherwise play football or wrestle or something. So man, I'm mm-hmm. gonna like drop this probably into like Strongsville. Good, um, Good call. Give me those kids. you know right I mean, like they're always a very solid public school. so let let's take some of those kids. Um, i'm gonna I'm gonna go to the karate style first. Um, I'm going with uh, it's called Long Fist or in Chinese it'd be uh, Chang Quan. and okay. this mm-hmm. is like the really acrobatic style of of karate that you see in a lot of movies. People doing like flying spin kicks, jump kicks, back kicks. It's it's pretty well balanced between upper body and lower body. But like the spectacular stuff is like the jumping, spinning heel kicks and stuff like that. Like it's everyone's seen it before. It's real dramatic looking. Um, there's plenty of it in actually in the Cobra Kai. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, so my sensei, I'm going with a fictional character as my sensei, and you'll know exactly why. He's, he's this is someone who lives up to the name, the White Mountain. And that is, I'm gonna go ahead and bring in from the raid. Mad Dog is gonna be my sensei. Nice. I need a very, wild very fucking nice. animal that has no problem <laughs> hurting people. That's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the leader of my of my dojo, the White Mountain Dojo.
0: Awesome, dude! Fucking awesome! I love the thing about the White uh, Mountain. What show is that from?
1: You should watch this show because it's on HBO Max and it's uh, Warrior. Warrior.
0: Okay. That's the warrior show that everybody's talking about yeah. now. I was like, I was like, why is this UFC movie so popular right now? I was like, what is going no, on? No, no, so no, it's no, a show.
1: no, no, not, not a UFC movie. It's, what? it's based on, it's based on some, uh, some unpublished, like Bruce Lee writings. It takes place in the 1870s.
0: Okay. Fantastic. This sounds something I would love to check out. I was like, why? dude, I'm telling you, no joke. I thought that that movie was having a resurgence. I'm like, what did Joel Edgerton do? Did he get no, me to or not, something? It's not that <laughs> one. <laughs> okay, thank God. All right, because I, I absolutely love that. And be- before I get to mine, I want to ask you something about um, just when it comes to dojos and the gym and stuff like that. Like, what do you think about the UFC gym idea? Like, to me, it looks basically like you have gym equipment and then there's fighting stuff. Like, do you like do, is this like the future of gyms? Like, do they get onto something here? Like, get into onto something, that's, I think,
1: on the ground level of it? That's a really good question. The way I see it, it, it is really... So here's here's the problem that the UFC faces. They they have a lot of like really I mean they have plenty of people that want to fight, but a lot of these people are fucking dumb shits. Um, just like they're people that they would rather not promote, as as being like top you know top tier UFC fighters. Be it that Colby Covington asshole, or just some other other dudes who are like, they're they have terrible criminal backgrounds. They're racists. They're whatever. They're just like not. Promotable, and I think this is like UFC's first attempt to get someone when they're young and mold Mm -hmm. them from the ground up into how to be a UFC star. Because a lot of these, a lot of these UFC fighters, men and women for that matter, they come into the UFC significantly later in life. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they were boxers, or they're you know they're wrestlers, or they're just people who got beat up and they were pretty good at getting beat up. So they you know so they went into so they went into it. But like I think the the idea behind the UFC gym is. Sure. Like we want to get money from anyone that wants to come, you know, do mixed martial arts, but maybe even if it only is like one out of every 100 people at these gyms, if there's a prospect that they can get at age 15 or 16 or whatever, they're going to try to get them. Cause there, you know, okay. there is no minor, I mean, there are minor fighting divisions, but there's no UFC minor leagues. Hmm. I gotcha. And I got to tell you, as far as a,
0: um, a business plan goes, I got to hand it to him on that. It's pretty genius. That is definitely not the missed opportunity that they missed out on by not calling it Flight Island. Okay, like this is <laughs> right. actually this. Like, um, I didn't know about that. Um, I actually think that that's a really good idea. And whatever I think it's a good idea too. They got
1: to. They have to figure out a way to get people in early, and yeah, they got to fi- figure out a way to get people in early and like make sure that they're the right people. And if you start with those people when they're like sixteen or eighteen or whatever you have a much better chance at vetting them to make sure they're not a fucking asshole.
0: Right. Yeah. And I mean, dude, that's um. what do you say about these people being assholes and stuff like that? I mean, somebody might be the best fighter ever, but if they're not marketable, that's, you know, that's a problem for, in terms of like your product and everything like that. And I heard somewhere, I don't know if this is true, but, I heard somewhere that like Dana White does not like Stepe because Stepe is like one of the least marketable people Correct. like ever. He's, he's a great dude. Stepe yep. is like a, not as a is a statement of the statue of what like human beings he, should be and stuff. He's a great dude. But he doesn't he might be that... the
1: greatest UFC fighter
0: of all time. <laughs> right. Right. Go figure. The, the greatest UFC fighter of all time is the one that is like the exact opposite of what Dana White wants him to yep. be. And, you know, just because I can't stand Dana White, like, you know, and I'm sure he's listening to this right now as he listens to all podcasts he and stuff. Does, where his name is yeah. mentioned. Right. Like, I, I mean, I can't stand it for his like political stuff. I don't know that much about him, but the political stuff is all I need right now. And, um, like this uh it just is it's just like such a like just it's, it makes me so happy that like stipe being not only from cleveland i've i've met him before i know i knew dudes that trained him early on like when he was first starting to get into ufc and stuff so like i i have a lightweight like kind of you know knowledge or somewhat history appreciation for stipe maoches and it's just absolutely fantastic that um Dana White, like, can't stand him, and he's one of the best, like, of all time. Mm-hmm. I think that that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But it, it's so true that, like, this, um you know, the, the markability element, and, like, I, I think, and I could be wrong on this, but, like, I, I know UFC and Mish, Mish Martial Arts have been around for a long time, but I I don't think that it's, like old enough to like basically what I'm saying is that if they're trying to go for these young people, they're going to be like 15 and 16 years old now. Like these are the type of kids who are developing an interest in this stuff. And as well as before, it might just be, you know, the, the former boxers gone UFC fighters and stuff like that. Like now is the time to usher in, new people because it's been around for a while. People want to see it. Younger people want to be fighters and stuff. So this is like the time for the the product to actually mm-hmm. to try to get new blood and stuff like that. And it's a genius idea what they're doing with the gyms. I just I ask this because number one, like I'm interested in any opinion you have to hear. It's you have to say about um, fitness institutions and everything. And the, the other thing that I, I bring this up is because. I've only seen I've only seen one UFC gym since we've lived here in Southern California. There are a couple of them, but I've only seen one. And it's in like one of the weirdest freaking shopping centers ever. It's like, what the hell is this UFC gym doing down here? It's in like the southern part of L.A. and stuff kind of like around where we are, but a little bit further east. Mm-hmm. And it's, it just it just makes no sense. It's like you're looking at like um, Kmart, PetSmart, UFC gym uh panera bread it's just a very weird um it's just a very weird thing to uh, to look at and stuff and i'm just like why did they pick this location so fucking weird for it and it's just it sticks out in my mind like a sore thumb because out of all the fitness institutions that are around here and we got la fitness anytime fitness fitness 19 we, we got them all the usc gym sticks out so badly it's like god were they just so desperate to put a ufc gym in southern california they picked the the shopping mall in carson by the, the <laughs> galaxy stadium it's just it's just weird so that that's that's why i bring this up so i'm going to move on to um to, to mine really quick just to round this whole thing out so i'm calling the dojo <clears throat> originally i used the uh cobra kai name your dojo generator that i found online which is basically <laughs> is basically taking um you using the first letter of your first name to choose an animal, then the last number of your birth year to choose like, um, it's kind of like an action word, you know, and then your birth month, the number of your birth month to choose like an institutional adjective. So it's like gang assembly, like stuff like that. So my, originally when I was using this formula, I got pony honk coaching. That was my, um, Cobra Kai (laughs) name generator. And then realizing that I cannot have pony honk coaching on a t-shirt, I decided to something to go with a much more badass name, which is Kaiju Stomp Karate,
2: which I absolutely fucking love.
0: Way better, way fucking better. Our logo is a red Godzilla footprint on an all-white flag. So it looks like the Japanese Mm -hmm. flag, but instead of the sun, it's a Godzilla footprint. Um, absolutely love that going with the whole like Godzilla thing, just me being a tall, clumsy dude who knocks stuff over. Um, that is definitely, uh, with to mention, just no one is beating a Kaiju stop. Like it's just not happening whatsoever. Not even those specific rim robots and the strip mall shopping center that I'm going to put this thing in. Oh man, I'm very happy about this. I am putting this thing right in the Northfield village plaza. You fucking bet, dude, I'm kicking <laughs> out world wines and liquor where the movie theater used to be. And I'm opening up Kaishu stomp karate in the middle of the Northfield plaza, um, shopping center and stuff like that, which, um, I can't even imagine what is in there now. Like I hadn't been to scoreboards. I think in about a year and a half or two years prior to me moving to Los Angeles, which would mean, that I there's a good chance that I have not driven through Northfield Village in five and a half years. So mm. I can't even imagine what the the village looks like now. I'm assuming Best Iroh is still there. And what the hell was that club that was over there that closed down? It was tropical themed and it was like the big uh, sleazy. It was basically like the new scoreboards for a while. And then it closed up. I can't remember what it's called. I they don't like remember really trop- either. Yeah, you don't want to. I've been there twice. It was awful. Like it was literally like a tropical Copacabana type thing in the middle of Northfield. That's stupid. Was, yeah, really awful. Didn't even last a year. So um, my dojo is going up in the plaza, um, and I am hiring as my sensei. I am hiring Pai Mei from the uh, Kill Bill two. Nice. <laughs> I I love that whole um, scene with him. I actually think it's that whole part is probably one of my favorite parts of the entire Kill Bill 2 movies and stuff. I love that. And he is going to be teaching everything from the Eagle Claw to the Five Finger Death Punch, which he had only taught to one other person, and it wasn't Bill. So that's that's what I'm going for with the sensei. I want that. I want him teaching... All the crazy shit. I want him totally shitting on the kids and making a meat off the floor and everything like that. Carrying buckets of water up a staircase that we specifically build inside the dojo, and <laughs> that's what that's what I want. That's Adam Chmielewski's vision for uh, Kaiju Stomp Karate.
1: Just get a just get a really a really good stairmaster. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm thinking actually. Just a really <laughs>
0: solid stairmaster, and be like, just don't stop until I hit the button. You know,
1: right? Hi, <laughs> may fucking great. Uh, Gordon Liu is great um that that character is that character is just so fucking wonderful and it like it's a throwback to a lot of the it's a throwback to a lot of like the i, I don't know how into old old school uh karate movies you're into but like that character's ripped straight out of like a 60s or 70s old school chinese karate movie it's awesome yeah and i guess he, he's
0: based on like a real guy too there's somebody hmm. named like Bach May or something like yeah. that um, that he was based off of and stuff. And this guy's got his own, like his own story and everything. And I just like, I guess like when I'm watching, when you watch Kill Bill one, like Kill Bill one is one of those movies, like you're just, it's Tarantino's first thing after Jackie Brown. It was five, six years since his last movie and stuff. I mean, Kill Bill one could have been like anything with a sword. And I probably would have thought it was great, you know, and I remember when Kill Bill Two came out, and Kill Bill Two being the complete opposite of Kill Bill One. Like Kill Bill Two is a Tarantino, is more of a Tarantino movie than Kill Bill One by a long mm-hmm. shot. And like, I was just like, okay, when is this movie actually going to become a Tarantino kung fu movie? And as soon as we got to Piemae, that's when that's when I was sold on it. That's when, like, I mean, like to this day, I actually like Kill Bill like Kill Bill 2 a little bit more now after I've had a little bit of time to appreciate mm-hmm. it and stuff and the, the him putting that character in there it's like that's what I was sold on in the beginning like that's like the Taran, like a Tarantino like care, Kung Fu character he might be the truest Tarantino Kung Fu character out of the entire like volume 1 and 2 of the Kill Bill movies right right yeah absolutely love it dude so and with that we are all out of the. Uh, we are all out of the outline. We have blazed through it all. We are all wrapped up. Did you have anything else that you wanted to uh, add into the discussion?
1: Uh, nothing else other than just go fucking watch Cobra Kai. It is. It's fantastic. It's so much fun. Um, I. I've already like I. I. That's one of those few times I purposely try not to bin shows like that fast, and I like right. could not stop watching it. Could not stop.
0: Yeah. I'm telling you, man, it hooked you, it hooked you in. And I we have like a free subscription to YouTube, like try it for a week or whatever. Watch Cobra Kai in a day. Like mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm in on this. I absolutely love it. Hands down the best uh, 10 years down the road, maybe with the exception of blade runner 2049, this is the second best decades later continuation of a story I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like I'll say that. I'll say that outright. I think, Blade Runner 2049 might be the only thing that even touches it.
1: Right. Right. I would, I do not disagree with that. That's for sure.
0: Oh yeah. And just wait till, uh, just wait till Denny um, comes out with Dune, man. Whenever we get to see Dune. I know.
1: <laughs> Whatever year that is.
0: <laughs> right. 2027. It finally comes I out. <laughs> Timothy Chalamet will be bold. will be bald. I, and, um, yeah. That movie will come out. Right.
1: He's getting no longer looking of- like a kid anymore
0: say goodbye to that beautiful hair timothy
1: <laughs> all right bro well do you want to leave us out of here yeah i'll do that um thanks everyone for listening to another episode of the occasionalists uh i am matt pagel you can find me on the socials at citizen pegs uh you can find adam chemilewski on the socials at polish kaiju um and of course happy birthday Chema! welcome to uh club 37 um yeah, thank you very if much if your back doesn't hurt yet it will
0: oh yeah dude we are nine minutes into my uh east coast birthday and everything like go. that so yes thank thank you so much dude believe me it's uh i kind of feel exactly like i did at 36 yep. we'll see how that <laughs> uh, happens and oh shit i think i just blew out my knee
1: <laughs> <laughs> your body knows man your body knows. yeah time. it's true <laughs> awesome, but uh dude, but for sure so happy much. birthday gemma and always thanks for doing this uh for doing this with me i'm glad I got, i'm glad i got uh this this has been the sucky thing about the pandemic. I haven't had a chance to talk about a lot of the shows that I'm watching with like anybody. So, <laughs> right, it's really nice I to know. talk to oh, someone dude, who's that... seen one of the shows that I've seen. Oh, d-
0: definitely, dude. Definitely, like I completely understand what, on that one for sure, man. Yeah. It's like God, this thing is really cutting off my radius of people who I talk to about yep. stuff.
1: <laughs> yep. But anyway, definitely. that's uh, that's this episode. Uh, th- again, thanks for downloading and streaming, and we will be back soon enough. But uh, for now, stay safe out there. Wear a mask. Wear two masks, three masks, whatever you got to do. Uh, let's get back to normal as soon as we can so I can go out and talk to people about shows that I'm sure they haven't watched, but I'm going to bully them into conversation anyway. And You got that right. Yep. So once again, for Adam Chibaluzki, this is Matt Pagel, and we will see you next time.
0: See you next time, guys. Thank you.